Hey folks, welcome to another week. This is the Live Life Aggressively Show. Sincere Hogan, that's myself. And have my man Mike Mauler on the other side. What's up, brother? They know it's the goddamn Live Life Aggressively show. <laughs> Is that a bit? No. <laughs> That'd be like a big surprise to someone. It's like, you, know, it's like, you thought we should just call it something else. You thought this was the O'Reilly factor? What the hell's wrong? <laughs> oh, I'm doing okay. good, man. We have a cool guest on today. We're going to get into some interesting topics with him. And before we do that, just some shout outs to those of you that are using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off some great products, support the show, support my business. We've got Gregory Pike, Gary Camello, who's a big fan of the show and has been a consistent customer for a while, Frank Torelli, Joshua Potter, Tyler Mack, Robert Harkins, Alan Levy, Calvin Hewitt, Richard Navies, Adam Blake, and Gavin Van Vlack. Both of those last two have yes. actually been guests of our show. Yeah. And then we also had a John Jones Order some product <laughs> right after that last episode. All of a sudden, you got to order from John Jones. Too now, was late. it was it was it that John Jones? I'm going to keep that a little vague for now, but I, I can't say factually that a John Jones ordered <laughs> some product. I saw the receipt. It's true. <laughs> Actually, I should distance myself from that John Jones. So I'm going to say I'm going to say no, it wasn't that. This John is a John Jones, Jones with given, an H in his name. Yeah, okay. yeah. Given that, given that he popped hot for two illegal uh, ingredients. In for competition, and the last thing I want people thinking is that you take my products, you're gonna pop off for that. <laughs> so yeah, check that last episode. He should have actually taken your ingredients, <laughs> and he probably would have been better off. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I I still think he took a tainted supplement that had clomid and letrozole in it, and a lot of people are still waving that flag like, oh, there's no way that would be in there. Why not? Why wouldn't it be in there? Exactly. Like I said, it's it only takes small amount. Right. To for an effective dose, so it's easy to pop something like that in there. You know, if we have time today, you know, I guess we could also go into um, Mark Hunt's latest rant about Brock Lesnar popping hot two times. <laughs> so, and um, and just some things that he uh, that Mark Hunt had brought up, speaking on Ariel Hawani. And well, um, the most hypocritical thing with Mark, with not Mark Hunt, but Brock Lesnar, is that he was saying that John Jones was unprofessional it, for school. Exactly. For so. and, and he popped hot for the same exact thing. It's like, <laughs> oh, man, you shouldn't have said anything. Like, Shh, quiet. <laughs> yeah, man. Mark, Mark Hunt is we'll, – we'll talk more about this. Yeah, after. we'll talk about that at the end. Um, uh, just, just real quick with Mark Hunt. I've been reading his book, which is great, Born to Fight. It's incredible. If you're a fan of UFC, definitely pick up his book. And even if you're not a fan, it's just a really interesting story. He went through some serious hardships. But just real quick on that, Brock scoring hot for Clomid, that wouldn't give him such a performance edge right. that just in the ring. Clomid, that is. But he could have been using it post-cycle for something that would give him a serious Well, being that he is a WWE superstar, nine times out of ten. Well, just look at the guy, man. Is it, do we really need an expert to come in and wonder <laughs> whether this guy's taking anabolics? Come on. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, some people is like, oh, I wonder if they're on something. It's like he's really? got traps. He's got traps to his ears. <laughs> you know, well, I don't know like where his traps in his pecs begin. It's just like there's just one big slab of meat right there in the front. Two hundred eighty-five pounds with a six-pack. Come on, right? <laughs> and six percent body people. fat. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's not like it's not like it's a big surprise. Right. Something like that, Pawpaws. Exactly. Uh, and uh, one last thing, you know, also want to give a shout out to all of our July Patreon supporters, um, Thomas McElwain, Brett Gordon, Caleb Quinn, um, who's also a longtime customer of yours, I believe. And then uh, Martin Warner. Martin gave like a great testimonial on Patreon as well and stands as one of the top supporters of the show as far as, you know, what he donates each month. So, you know, definitely go check that out, folks. Head over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. Become a monthly supporter of the show as well and get on the list with all these good folks because they know what's up. 
Yeah. Sounds good. Well, we have a great guest on the show today. He actually used to be a bodybuilder, and then he got into plant-based nutrition. And Can he I say this? With John. What's that? Can I say this? Sure. I, lo- I looked up our guest today. You know, I saw his dating profile. <laughs> so, so this guy, our guest, you know, he says that he loves legumes. He likes long walks on vegetable farms, and he loves women that smell like hummus. I think he said he's a big fan of melons, too. (laughs) So the last part got me. Somebody likes women that smells like hummus. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Bring that up, man. We won't ask him to elaborate on that one. Yeah. (laughs) I just had to bring that one up. We have to, first of all, we have to determine why she smells like hummus. (laughs) There may not be a good answer to that. No, but he used to be a bodybuilder. He's a plant-based nutrition expert. He works with John Berardi over at Precision Nutrition. He's done volunteer work in Uganda, so just a very eclectic, interesting background. Ryan, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing really well. I don't, I don't, I don't know about the hummus thing. I think somebody hacked my Wikipedia page or something and <laughs> actually, submitted that answer. I think John Berardi actually wrote that about you, man. So I think John kind of uh, okay. He's probably playing around yeah. on that one. <laughs> Everything else is legit, though, but yeah. not the hummus part. Right, right. <laughs> so how did you transition from being an avid bodybuilder to becoming very concerned about the environment, animal welfare issues, and then just immersing yourself in plant-based nutrition? Yeah, so between the ages of 14 and 20, my existence was competitive bodybuilding. It was my life. And towards the end of that competitive bodybuilding career, I started to have, I don't know, I guess some revelations about what a self-focused world it was. And I kind of made a promise to myself and I said, you know, if I don't continue competing, I'd like to challenge myself to kind of uh, focus on others and other issues in the world and volunteer and kind of have a greater awareness um, for things other than my protein needs each day and how many sets I'm going to do for my chest workout this week or how many hours of sleep or how much tanning I'm going to do. Not to... Not to trivialize bodybuilding. It's a great sport. I wouldn't be the person I am today without it. It taught me a lot about life. But uh, I just, it started to not feel so great and I wanted to uh, think bigger, you know, and um, that's that's kind of how it started. So in my late teens, I I thought, you know, I need to challenge myself to think bigger and uh, I ended up placing eighth in collegiate nationals and I thought, you know, that's a sign I need to move on. Uh, I'm probably, I don't have a future in this sport so focused on school started to learn more about nutrition and during grad school i, I made the switch over to eating a highly plant-based diet and uh, from there just kind of like if the curtain was pulled back and i had this whole new lens through which i viewed food and where it came from so yeah. it was quite a shift from like how i viewed food during bodybuilding days to how i view it now was it a difficult transition for you uh not difficult in terms of inner conflict or anything, it felt very right uh, to me, but it, it, it was difficult in terms of, I mean, we live in a society where most people have a plate that's filled with some sort of animal product in a, in a right. pretty high amount. So you kind of have to relearn how to eat. You know, you just... I, I, mean, I mean, difficult... Hold on one second. I mean, difficult yeah, yeah. in... I just wanted to make sure no one's at the door. No, I mean, difficult in in knowing what to eat and feeling optimal for yeah, your training. to put it all together, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was challenging at first. And the, the I guess, strange thing about it is, like, I was in grad school studying nutrition and getting ready to become a dietitian. I was still struggling with it. So it, I think about people who maybe don't have any type of 
higher level knowledge about food and eating. Right. And I think, gosh, that's got to be really challenging for someone who just kind of grew up in the typical American family, typical American diet, and they want to switch. They got to be thinking, oh, what am I going to eat for dinner tonight? Right. Well, I mean, fortunately, there's books like yours out there, and Robert Cheek has a good book, and Dr. Garth Davis has a good book. So now there's a lot of good information out there that someone could get some introductory information and transition fairly seamlessly. But I'm assuming back when you started and also back when I started 20, over 20 years ago, it was pretty difficult. It was a lot of self-experimentation to figure out what works. Yeah, yeah, a lot of self-experimentation. And uh, I, I do think – there are some people who definitely paved the way. You mentioned Robert Cheek and a guy named Jack Norris was really helpful. And yeah, you kind of gather some information from experts, try some things out in yourself, and hopefully find a path that, that feels pretty good for your body. Right. Now, what do you think are some of the big mistakes people make when they want to adopt a plant-based diet? Yeah, I think about this a lot. Uh, so I, I turned 35 actually at the end of this week. So I've been eating this way for about 12 years. And I've kind of gone through different phases and worked with a lot of different clients. And I, maybe you're the same way, Mike. But uh, I guess I, I can think of a few things that that people, I guess, do wrong when they're pursuing plant-based eating. And I think one of them is trying to take uh, a purist approach with plant-based eating. Mm. And I, I see the movement a little bit more even recently where people start on this plant-based diet path. And they really just continue to eliminate and eliminate and eliminate. You know, they cut out all oil, all, all sugars, all soy, all supplements, all grains. Like they just right. keep cutting, cutting, cutting. And I mean, especially when you get into a population that is exercising or does sports. I mean, you, it's just you're not going to be able to meet your needs. I mean, if you're living off of like vegetables, that's not going to be enough. So I, I think – Steering clear of trying to have this like purist diet with nothing, uh, no, none of those things I just mentioned. Um, yeah. So that's one, I guess, I don't know, uh, path that people go down that's not the best path. And I guess in a bigger picture sense with plant based eating, I don't, I used to have this hope that like, all right, one day everybody will eat a vegetarian diet or something. And I've, I've scaled back that hope. I guess deep down, maybe a percentage of me feels like that. Yeah. But um, I've kind of opened it up to like, let's find like a minimal effective dose of animal products for people that right. still eat them. So instead of eating just a bunch of animal products with every meal every day, like maybe it's steak once a week or eggs once or twice a week. Or they kind of find like that level of animal product consumption that works for them and their body and their performance. The, the, only, the only problem with that is it's kind of like fasting, right? When you're fasting, you're good. I mean, once, you get, once you're a couple hours in, you adapt and you're feeling pretty good. Now, if you have even a little bit of something, the floodgates yeah. break and all of a sudden you're ravenously hungry, right? So I, I agree with what you're saying in theory, but in practice what happens is people have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. All of a sudden it becomes a little bit more, a little bit more, and then they're right back to where they started. What's really going to happen, my prediction is that with the, the, the demand for meat consumption, animal products is not going to go down, but the source is going to be different, meaning that in vitro meat is a, it's a technology that's developing right now. And I think it's one that will proliferate once it's ironed out in the future, and then that will eradicate factory farming and so forth. So it's, it's getting people to eat less of something is always unsuccessful, no matter what it is. But shifting the focus to something else, 
which has a good impact on the environment's other factors, is most likely the scenario that I see playing out. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's going to have to be. I mean, with with the way our population grows, exactly, exactly, and it's it's an old school idea to rely on this many animal products. We just can't do it. So we're going to have to find a different way, whether that's in vitro meat or more legumes or something. So well, the fact that these technologies are there's so much re- money and time is going into these technologies is because people know realistically there's a demand for this. So rather than I think I think it'll be a combination of both. People eat less meat, but People are still going to want to eat meat and animal products, so this will fulfill that. Hey, Ryan, do you think that you know when you were speaking about one of the biggest mistakes, they start cutting and cutting and cutting? Do you do you think that also when people have a a lack of like where to go when they start and what they end up doing, they end up going on, you know, they go online, they'll go on um, YouTube, <clears throat> excuse me, and you know, of course, when you start typing in, you know, starting a vegan diet or starting a plant based diet, a lot of times the popular personalities in that in that space pop up and a lot of these personalities who are like really well known you know tend to have these somewhat in some view an extreme view of how to approach it like oh you know you need to go raw until four o'clock you need to just you know go high carb low fat and you know right off the bat so and these people are very i guess you say endearing or whatever and they're, they're very polarizing and so if someone's trying to make a switch they see these people and they're like oh i you know i like they, they they start to follow more of that person's personality and not necessarily truly like investigate their methods. And they kind of get hooked into that. Like, okay, I like, I like this chick. I like this dude. I like what he's saying. So I'm going to try that. And then they end up doing that. And I think it ends up messing things up. Like, do you see that? Do you think that could be a part of the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, that's, that's a big part of society and like how, whether it's just a well-known YouTuber or, a celebrity or athlete who's pushing a new food product or supplement, right. like we, we definitely want to see ourselves in that person. And we use the product, we eat the food, we follow their diet. It's like that with food. It's like that with workouts. It's like that with right. a lot of things. So, yeah, I think we can get new ideas from these people, and you know, oftentimes they have great things to add. But if we try to, you know, I am going to follow this person's diet exactly. Right. You know that uh, I think that's a mistake. Yeah, it ends up to me. I always call it from a psychological standpoint. It's like we start having this savior complex where we put everything into this savior, this leader. Like, hey, take me there, take me to the promised land. I'm putting everything into you, you know, because you sound like you know what you're doing. You sound smart, and you know, you definitely know more than I do. And plus, hey, you have all these followers on YouTube or Instagram or whatever social media, or you're on television. Then you must know what you're talking about because otherwise, why would all these people follow you, or why would you have this this media platform? So. And I think that's just kind of one of the biggest mistakes right there. Instead of just like, hey, let me try this and see if it works for me. Ah, it didn't work for me. Then you have some people get very like, <laughs> they, they get dogmatic about it, going beyond evangelical. It's just like, oh, so-and-so, you know, that's the vegan I like to follow because this she knows or he knows what he's talking about. And don't talk about okay. them. They know. And I was like, okay, and you've lost me. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of times, though, it's just people tinkering to try to improve whatever they're on. So they're doing a vegan diet. They have a lot of oils in their diet. And then they come across some good research which says, hey, cut out some of the oils in your diet or cut out all of it if you have these issues, clogged arteries, high cholesterol, et cetera. So they, they go to that. And so it's not, it's not always – 
where someone has this really dramatic approach that's pulling them in. It's just that sometimes there's a constant need to want to improve whatever you're doing, whether it's your workouts or nutrition or so forth. The problem with tinkering, though, is that even though your goal may to be may to be to improve, sometimes you can tinker too much where now it has deleterious returns on investment. So that's where the challenge is. I think the best advice people can have is you pick one really good source and then you just follow that for a while, just like you would do with training. If you're going to start, let's say, Jim Wendler, Wendler's five three one program follow it for at least eight weeks don't follow it for a week or two and then try to make an assessment and then start tinkering with it or, or follow someone else's program or merge five different programs into one that's where i think it becomes murky yeah and i the self-experimentation i think is very valuable and it's something I, I keep saying it to clients all the time. It's becoming cliche and kind of, I don't know if it, it, it resonates with them, but finding what works for you. I mean, and I think, Mike, you've talked about this or I've read in some of your articles where you kind of have like meal combinations that you found work for you. Right. And, and it might not work for somebody else. They might not feel great when they eat that way. So, but yeah, in the end, I think that's really what, what it's all about. Well, one area where I've experimented with is playing around with carbohydrates, right? Raising them up, lowering them to see the difference. And some will say just you should eat a very high carbohydrate diet and don't worry about protein and fat. That's not going to work for a lot of people. That's going to work for some people, and they're going to feel great. And those are the people that are usually espousing that because they go, man, I feel incredible on this. I bet everyone else will feel the same way, and that's not always the case. Me personally, I don't do low carbohydrate, of course, and that would be very difficult to do anyway on a vegan diet even if you wanted to do it. But I find that there's a certain threshold for me where if I pass it, I start feeling tired. I start putting on body fat quickly. So I always say I like a balance. I think everyone should start with the balance. You start off with the balance of fats, protein, carbohydrates, and then you just modify percentages from there over time. Yeah, and one of the things I spend a lot more time talking to people about these days too is even kind of beyond thinking in terms of protein, carbs, and fats, kind of, I don't know, thinking about in general what that food group offers you. So, right, right. Because I, I see a lot of people who are trying to, especially when they start a vegan diet, they're so into like the macro counting method. They're like, oh, vegan diet, like nothing's adding up how I want it to add up. That's right. I can't hit my gram per pound protein and I'm panicked and I'm going to withdraw from trying this. And it's like instead of thinking in that regard, maybe just consider like, oh, yeah, legumes are protein rich and grains are carbohydrate rich and nuts are fat. Like you kind of have a general idea of what that food group contains and you try to balance it out and get enough. Of what yeah, you, you have to have some variety. Otherwise, you end up eating 20 potatoes a day and thinking you're fine <laughs> or you're just going to have rice or you're right. just going to eat fruits. So I mean, you want to have some variety where, like, like you said, Ryan, you go, you have legumes, you have nuts, you have, you don't have to worry about precise percentages, but just have this variety of choosing these different food groups every day. Right, Ryan. You know, coming from that bodybuilding background, like, how do you address those who, again, the first thing out of anyone's mouth for any of us who are plant based is like, where do you get your protein? How do you address protein? Or you get enough protein? Like, how do you even address it? Even though it's like, a, it's one of those questions that keeps coming up that you know. It's easy for us to let's eye roll like here we go. Because as soon as you say that you're, you know, you're vegan or you're plant based, first thing out of someone's mouth, everybody's concerned about your protein intake. You know, but I'm looking at them like I'm concerned about your overall food intake. Look at you. <laughs> you know, so, so why are you worried about me? But, you know, how do you address that, man, when it comes to just someone's always bringing up, you know, what do you guys do for protein? I mean, you just can't make it just on plants alone. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely embraced that question. I, uh, I, I know it's coming, so I've kind of accepted it uh, for the rest of my life. But, um, you know, it depends on the person who asks. But in, in general, I'll kind of t- 
talk about some of the food groups that I eat that are more protein rich and give them very practical ideas of meal combinations. Because I think sometimes, too, when you talk too abstract with food groups, they're like, I don't really see how this fits into a meal. So if you talk about, yeah, like I'll have a you know bean burrito with vegetables and, and quinoa, it's like that's a protein-rich meal. And so I try to talk in practical terms, but I also don't I don't discard the question. Either. I think some people in the plant-based community are like, oh no, we get plenty, we get too much, nobody needs to worry about it. But I don't I don't agree with that. I don't think it's something that like plant-based eaters are just, oh, we're all getting too much protein. It's completely easy to get it every day. I think you need to make sure you are eating enough uh, legumes specifically right. every day right. and um, working in some nuts and seeds and stuff like that. So I don't just brush it off and take yeah, it off. And, and, and I hate fine. it when someone who's half my body weight and 10% of my strength is trying to tell me, oh, don't worry about protein. You'll get enough from doing this. I was like, what, based on your stellar results? <laughs> also, I've been doing this a lot longer than most people who try, who've been doing it for a year and they're going to try to tell me what I should be doing. It's like, right. motherfucker, I've been doing this since I was 20 years old. I'm 42 now. So, I mean, I don't need some guy who just started last week to give me advice on how to make this work. Yeah. You know, I, I think that sometimes from those who are not plant based, when they actually bring it up, I think what they're looking at is the fact that just like Ryan says, you know, you talk about food combinations and, you know, putting your protein together like that. I think what ends up happening in this microwave society, when you tell someone who's not plant based, you know, like, oh, I just combine different foods and get my protein that way. They still have this instantaneous way of looking at things where it's just like, well, I can just go eat meat. And I got my protein right. instead of trying to put <laughs> things together. You know, I can just go have like a, a chopped beef sandwich and like, there you go. Or I can have a pizza and have a meat lover's pizza. So therefore, I got all this protein. I got a little bit of vegetables on there, but I got it. You know, I got my carbs, you know, from the bread. You know, there's a combination right there. And it's right. easy. You know, I don't have to sit there and think about it and put these things together. So I think right. they look at that conventional way of just getting their protein without having to put in the work is the reason why they question us. Like, God, that, that sounds like a lot of work, food combinations. Jeez. And, man. and to be fair, it is, it is a little bit overwhelming and burdensome initially because you're learning it. Like anytime you learn a new skill set, whatever it is, your brain is just firing and it can be kind of overwhelming at first. But the mistake I think a lot of people make, and you and I have talked about this sincere, is where they someone gets on a plant based diet and they try to replicate what they were doing as an avid meat right. eater, but now as a vegan diet. So how do you do that? You get a lot of fake meat analogs. And I think this is one of the big mistakes a lot of people make when they transition. They go, okay, instead of a hamburger, I'm going to have a Boca burger. You know, exactly. Instead of steak, I'm going to have veggie steak. And then they're just eating fake meat at every single meal five times a day. Yeah. And then, and then there's, and then they're writing down all their macros going, Oh, cool. I'm having, I'm still getting that 200 <laughs> it's flexible, grams. It's flexible eating, you know, <laughs> you know which it's is like, it's like, let's look at the merits of a plant based diet rather than trying to turn it into a meat based diet in right. terms of the oh, macronutrient yeah. breakdown. Yeah, that's huge. I, I think, I don't know. I feel like almost every plant based eater I've talked to went through some sort of phase with that, or at least somebody close to them did. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. No doubt. In the macro society. It's like that's what you – you're like, oh, yeah, the Boca, that's a like, little four-ounce portion of protein, and that's it. So, yeah, you need to step back and think bigger. Yeah, now, now you have this highly processed diet. You're not eating any fruits and vegetables. You're just eating all the sodium because it is yeah. processed. So, you know, yeah. right. So nothing that 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 Boca burger is no different than going and getting a Swanson Hungry Man dinner, you know, at the same time because same amount of sodium and everything else and nitrates and everything else. But um, also, I think that it's also just trying to transition from that. That that love, especially from someone who's had a more omnivore type diet, 
where they're missing that texture of meat mm-hmm. type right. food. So they, they're kind of winning themselves. We, you know, I, I, I went through it for about a hot second, but then I realized, you know, all this fake meat is crap. <laughs> you know, it tastes like it's just it's not the same. But again, it's just you're you were missing that texture of, of, of meat and right. you're missing some of those seasonings. You know, and and where that meat was prepared, and now you have this this faker, you know, trying to pretend to be that and doing those same things. But then, you, but your brain's not stupid. It's like, uh, dude, this this is not a chopped beef sandwich. I'm sorry, this is jackfruit. I don't care how you try to slice it up and try to make it look good. I'm looking at this. This is jackfruit. I don't care. You can put all the barbecue sauce you want on it. It's not gonna be a chopped beef sandwich. And then eventually, you just realize. And then also, it, they eventually they probably won't make you feel good. If you're starting to get in tune with your body, you'll start realizing like, uh, I'm more bloated now and gassy eating this stuff than I was eating conventional food. Right. So then just kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna have to let this go. Yeah, I mean, and there's and there's a couple fake meats or vegetable protein burger type products that are pretty good, like the beast beyond burger meat. Is good. Is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. But even that, I wouldn't say don't overly rely don't do it every on it. Every day, that should know. be something you have here and there, maybe exactly. a couple times. Or if a week, you're out traveling like, sometime, right? You know, where right. You go don't to a restaurant. Sometimes not as stuff is not easily you know available you know because just like one of the issues you tend, you tend to find yeah there are a lot of more there are a lot more plant based options now than before especially when you're traveling but then there are some just like ah sometimes you have to go ahead and get that that veggie burger you know while you're out with friends or whatever because you don't also want to become that person just because you switch to a plant based lifestyle become the antisocial person it's like you know no, you sometimes still, it's a good you know, option. When you were out here, we went to Copper Keg at two yeah. in the morning, and, and the fact that they even have a veggie burger there is cool is a good thing because a lot of times places like that would never have something. You'd be eating French fries because well, yeah, <laughs> it's a bar. You know, you think bar food, you think wings, burgers, you know, and you know, we actually made, we did well for two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you know, yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad meal at all. So it's a, it's, a, it's good that those options are out there, and, and they're they're good transition foods for people as well too when yeah. they're trying to figure out how to put things together. One thing I found in you guys may have found this as well, though, is you start to vet, your taste buds start to vet, start start changing. Yeah. Where you start craving different things. Like I really like legumes. It's not something where I'm going, okay, I, I need to eat this for protein. I don't really like the taste of it. I actually really like the taste of it. Yeah. So a lot of the foods I eat each day, I crave those foods and I enjoy those foods. I look forward to eating those foods. Yeah. Uh, that that what you just mentioned there is absolutely huge. I mean, specific to plant based eating and really just how anybody eats. Whenever you know, I'm working with a client and they talk about how they're in this like food rut and they don't like their meals and they don't look forward to them and they feel deprived. I'm thinking, gosh, like that's miserable. Like right. you need to find right. some meals that you like and you look forward to every day. I mean, that's that's a miserable existence. That's when you pick up some good books from some chefs out there that have some great recipes. Exactly. You have, you're gonna have to learn how to cook a meal. A lot of guys couldn't make a meal to save their that's life. That's the thing right there. So that, man. That's a that's a problem too. They, they, so it's not even the problem is the vegetarian diet. It's the fact that they don't know how to prepare meals. Period. They weren't doing it before. They were just going to In and Out and Burger, <laughs> and, right. you know, because so that's what they're used to doing. And now they can't do that with vegetarian food, so they have to learn how to make a meal. <laughs> or when it gets cooked, it was very easy just to throw some meat on a grill and you right, know right, flip right, it right. over and then slap it on a bun and put some <laughs> lettuce on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, there's just really not that much creativity in that. You know, now right. trust me, there are some folks out there that try to go all out and you know they're like these grill masters or whatever else. But the majority of people are not like that. And they're just like, okay, throw it on the grill. Oh, here's a steak. Just throw it on the grill. Turn it over. Season it. You know, let it marinate overnight. Again, that's a very passive way of doing things. Yeah, you put in the marinade. You sit in the fridge overnight. Okay, now what? 
<laughs> you know, so it, it becomes this thing like it's not that hard. There's so many good, you know, cookbooks out there and websites out there and a lot of YouTube videos out there, too. And, these, and it's not very complicated. You can make a very delicious meal in little to no time. And so it's not so a lot of times I think we feel like a lot of folks who are transitioning make it harder than what it has to be. Yeah, that's right. You know, and that's also right. on the flip side of that, there are some people who are on the side of plant based eating who make it hard. So you have to kind of depend on them to, as the go to person. So it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's no different than in the fitness world. You have some coaches who can make you can explain things and make it like, oh, that's what I need to do. Back to the basics. Just you know, work on this, work on that. Then there are those who complicate the hell out of it. So therefore, you are dependent on them. So you have to keep coming back to them. And they just give you a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And, you know, make you very, you know, just, well, I can't make it without so-and-so. I need my coach. <laughs> you know, so you have that too. Yeah. I think one thing also that people that are used to eating a lot of meat are used to getting a lot of calories in a meal without having to worry about it. So those of us who work out hard, we need a lot of energy. So on a vegetarian diet, you have to eat more volume of food to make sure you're getting the energy you need for hard workouts. I mean, this is assuming you actually work out hard. Right. But the flip side of that is, person, you know, no big on a, thing. On the flip side of that on a plant-based diet, you really can't consume a whole lot of food because if it's, if it's good food, you know, it's so nutrient dense. You're not really going to want to, you know, overdo it. You're not going to do what you did when you ate meat and went to a Brazilian churrascaria where you sat there like, OK, I pay, you know, I go to Roy's or I go to, you know, Fogo to Chow and spend two hours just getting the meat sweats. <laughs> you know, you just, <laughs> you're not going to do that on a plant based diet. man. You're not going to get the legume sweats, man. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> your, your gut's going to say, hey, we're done here. Stop by the bathroom on the way out. As a matter of fact, you know. No, that's true. If you're eating whole foods, it's it's very filling and satisfying. So, Ryan, uh, what do you recommend to people when they're making the transition? What are the few points that they should take heed to? You know, I guess if I had to kind of boil it down to a few, I'd probably say uh, eat according to your body cues. So eat when you're hungry, stop when you're satisfied, don't overly restrict anything, uh, get at least one cup of cooked legumes each day and eat a variety of foods i mean if those three main points if you do that you're likely going to get enough nutrients enough protein well what about protein powder power shakes smoothies you would recommend those yeah i'm a huge fan of shakes actually and i mean whether somebody wants to add a protein powder that's fine if they want to do kind of a whole foods based shake that's fine too, but it, I think it's good. I think they taste good. They're pretty easy for people. Uh, they're a good way to pack in a lot of it's a good nutrition. Bre- it's a good breakfast option, right? A lot of people are on the go, so you just put a lot of yeah. different things. The, the key is to put a lot of good ingredients in there. You put some greens in there. You put some good fruits in there. Maybe, I think that's uh, a good start right there with someone that's yeah. transitioning yeah. because, therefore, Absolutely. it kind of take it becomes a no-brainer. It's like, hey, what about this? Throw it in there. What about that? Throw right. that in there, too. Just throw it all in there and blend it up you know, until you start just kind of finding that mix that works for you and that you really right. like. So make sure that, you know, with that vegetable that you throw some fruit in it to kind of sweeten it a little bit so you can also kind of satisfy that, that sugar desire that you want. You don't want everything just to be bitter and greens right off the bat, you know, until you can get there. I'm one of those people, like, I could care less, like, hey, is this good for me? Is it gonna? Is my body gonna enjoy this? Is it gonna give me the nutrients I need? Okay, just give it to me. I was like that with supplements. <laughs> right. I don't care if the vitamins taste like ass. Like, <laughs> it's just yeah. like, look, man, yeah. do they work? 
my wife looked at me and I just like I actually didn't take all supplements with like like one take you know one take and she's yeah, yeah. like oh my god how do you do that like I, I can't even swallow that one pill is like it's so gross I'm like why are you tasting it just get it over with you know just make your throat all and just toss it <laughs> and, you, and you're, you're going look I've got heavy deadlifts to do later exactly right? I need last thing I'm worried about is this <laughs> taking a bunch of pills at the same time is the least of my worries <laughs> I'm down the whole bottle before that workout <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so protein shakes, I think, are good nutritional insurance for someone who's transitioning. And also, it's, it, habits take a while to build. So this is, this is something where it can become a routine and it can, make, it can become a habit quickly. So every morning you wake up, you combine these five things, you blend it up, you drink it down, you go. So now you know you're starting your day off right, even if you go off course right. throughout the day. Yep, shakes, yeah. smoothies, you know, all that, man. Hell, even start, if you actually want to have that illusion of having a sit-down meal you know which it still is you know even make smoothie bowls and there's so many recipes out there to make smoothie bowls you right. know you want to sit there and have something dessert like but at the same time have some nutrients in it you can make mug cakes mug cakes are really easy it takes only a few seconds you know, like a few minutes to make one of those and if you're going to use a microwave throw those in the microwave and then boom in your mind you're thinking you're getting like dessert but at the same time you're getting you know you're getting some good carbs in depends on what flour you're using and you know if you mix it up and throw in let's say some cacao you know hey man you're getting some good minerals from that and right. You know, so and throw in some gin, you know, a little bit of ginger and throw in some cinnamon. You know, now you get some anti-inflammatory seasonings in there as well. So but at the same time, it's like having pancakes or, you know, or having cake for, des- you know, for breakfast. You know, and same thing if you throw in like a lot of frozen fruits in a blender. And, you know, you can make it like ice cream, you know, throw in a good protein powder. You, you In your mind, you're pretty much having ice cream for breakfast, but it's not counting against you. It's not going right. to have you all jacked up like regular ice cream would. So. You know, a lot of times uh, my friends ask me, I say that, and that, that makes them feel even better. Like, oh, okay, I can do that because there's just something about that little kid and us is like, oh, ice cream for breakfast? Hell yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> I think one, once people get used to this style of eating, you start realizing that it's not difficult to put a lot of quick meals together. Right. I mean, one example is almond milk with oatmeal with a little bit of almond butter, and yeah. then maybe you throw in a tablespoon of some protein powder to ramp it up, put a little bit of cinnamon in there, yeah. cook it for a few minutes. There you go, man. You could have that in the middle of the night as a snack. You could have it anytime. You could hey, be man. on a rush. You one can make a favorites. snack pack where it's just nuts, seeds, and some dried fruit. Dried it takes fruit, you to the yeah. movie theater. Yeah, exactly. Someone don't think I haven't. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I was telling, you know, a friend of mine, um, I said, yeah, man, take that rice cooker. They were talking about still cut oats and how long it takes. I'm like, nah, man, rice cooker. Throw those bad boys in a rice cooker. About 15, 20 minutes, it's done. And you can add whatever you want. You can put dry fruit in there, whatever, and then it's going to sit there and it gets warm. And, man, I'm like, come on, dude. It's, it's almost like you're making porridge out of this stuff. just depends how much. You know, I use cashew milk, so it's really creamy. So, you know, here's something that, that I'll sit there and pretty much eat maybe twice during the day, you know, for like breakfast and lunch or bring me like a midday snack, you know, probably about an hour and a half before I go train and I'm right. good, you know, and it's not that hard. Yeah, it's just learning new skills. Yeah. That's all. It's just like, look, like, look, like the first time someone walks into a gym and there's all of these options in there. And you're like, man, <laughs> right. what am I? What, where do I start? What do I start with here? And then like someone like us comes in there and says, OK. Don't get distracted by all these things. You're going to focus on five moves, deadlifts, squats, overhead press, pull-ups, and then we're going to do some torso work. And then you, all of a sudden, they're like, okay, I can, that I can do. Right. It's like don't worry about all these other distractions. Just do those five moves and then get the hell out of here. <laughs> and then just pick variations of those different moves and stay on course. You're going to, you can't beat that. Yeah. So I think nutrition starts becoming the same way. It goes 
focus on all these things. Like Ryan said, get some legumes, get some fruits, get some vegetables, get some greens. And then all of a sudden you start looking for new things because you start getting used to it. You're going, okay, I've got the basics of this now. Now let's start adding more variety. Let's start looking for new options. Let's try new cuisines. Let's try Thai food. Let's try Indian food. And it starts becoming a fun adventure. You start, yeah. you start realizing that there's a lot of variety in here to enjoy. Hey, Ryan, you know, speaking of legumes, like how do you address folks who may have problems with like lectins and things like that, man? Yeah, in terms of digestion specifically, um, I kind of have a, a, a step-by-step process I go through with people. The first thing I would suggest is actually related to any type of sugar alcohols. Because usually when people come to me, they're like, oh, man, I'm, I feel bloated. I'm not digesting things well. I'm eating more right. plant-based. I like to ask them, first off, are they eating any sugar alcohols, whether it's like sugar-free gum or sugar-free candy or anything, because those are often a major culprit for uh, bloating and digestive problems. Um, a lot of added uh, f- fibers in, in products can cause digestive problems, like inulin's a big one now. It's in a lot of bars and powders and things like that. So those are kind of the first, like, if I'm triaging my efforts, I focus on those two things first. Um, and then specific to legumes, I just have them start with smaller amounts and kind of build up over time. So if they're not not used to eating any legumes every day. Start with like a quarter cup cooked, see how that goes. Then maybe after a week or two, you increase to a half cup. And if that's not going well, try a completely different kind. I've noticed that a lot of people, like they might try kidney beans and they don't feel so good, but they have black eyed peas and they feel fine. Right, so right. trying different types seems to be helpful too. Yeah, yeah you, don't, you, don't wanna, you don't want to fart on command. <laughs> that's a fast, that's a quick way to transition off of something, you know. <laughs> Like what you said, Ryan, that's correct. Some legumes I do really well with, yeah. others not so much. So I tend yeah. to – there's about five or six that I really like that I rotate through. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it. I mean like lentils can be a good option. Black-eyed peas, black beans, garbanzo beans are one of my favorites. I could have that every day if I wanted to. I, mean, I, I have to force myself to add variety because that's one of my favorites right it's there. It's like me with black beans, man. I can yeah. do black beans all day long. Some of just black beans and rice all day. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I, I do. Uh, dookie beans are pretty good. Sometimes people say you don't want to eat the same thing every day. I was like, you know what? I, I mean, I, I agree with that in essence, right? But at the same time, they make it sound like something bad's going to happen if you do. And the reality is far from that. You know how many people all over the world eat the same thing? Every I'm about day? To say, yeah, I'm just like, it's not like you. <laughs> no, it's like okay, you eat the same thing every day, and you just started with this, or you know, you may do it for about like a week or two or something like. This. It's not like you have spent the last forty years eating this every day, but also. Tell that to people who are in less fortunate situations where all they can have is cassava and rice every day. You tell them, oh, don't eat rice every day. Dude, then they're going to starve to death. You know, so, you know, the body's pretty resilient, man. It's just adding unnecessary complexity, right? Right. It's like, okay, if you have brown rice on Monday, make sure it's white on Tuesday. Then have wild rice on Wednesday. It's like, look, man, I can have white rice every day. I can have brown rice every day. I don't need to look for 10 different varieties of rice to avoid developing some food sensitivity. Yeah, make sure you don't have white potatoes on, you know, back-to-back days. Like, dude, I could eat white potatoes every day. (laughs) And actually, you find that, uh, yeah, sorry, sincerely. Oh, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say with Ryan, do you find that people sometimes add this complexity where there isn't when they're following regimens? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I lean a little bit towards kind of having, uh, like you talked about, some variety but within reason. Um, because I am a, a little bit of a believer that all foods have pros and cons. And so if you're just relying on a couple of foods, you 
are going to be getting the pros, but you're also going to be getting some of the cons that come with that foods. So if you are having a little more variety, you kind of minimize. So give, give, us a, give us an example of some cons that may come with consuming something too often. Yeah, I, an obvious example, or maybe to me, maybe not to everybody <laughs> listening, but uh, a more prominent example these days is if someone were to have uh, a green smoothie every morning, let's say, right, and they put in every morning a, a bunch, um, and a bunch we'll say is like three large handfuls of, of like raw kale, let's say. Raw kale is fantastic, very nutritious, um, but it's also a cruciferous vegetable. It can accumulate some heavy metals. Right. It has goiterogens. So there's like some ups and downs to kale. So I'd say have your green smoothie every morning, but maybe one week do kale, one week do spinach, one week do collards. You kind of rotate through. So it's not like obsessive right. variety, but a little bit I think is good because I, I think sometimes people are like, yeah, for fun. Five years, I've been having like four handfuls of kale every morning in my shake. It's like, well, <laughs> you might want a little more variety uh, than that. I like so. what you just said, Ryan, because I do that. I, I do greens. I juice greens daily, and what I do is every time I go to the grocery store, I just get a different option rather than yeah. getting the same one. So maybe it's kale one time, mustard greens the next time. I just look for something different every time than what I previously exactly. had. Yeah. So I, I think that's good advice. You don't want to get, get pedantic with variety, but at the same time, you don't want to get so stuck in a routine that you're just over-consuming something. Yeah, and it's, exactly. it's, not some, it's, it's a simple solution. You just pick something else each time. Yeah, and also the problem with that is like sticking with that one thing over and over. Okay, that thing's that food is not necessarily a complete food where it's going to address every vitamin and mineral and, you know, and, and nutrient that you're going to need for your body. So you've got to mix some things up here. So just sticking with that one thing or just sticking with that same combination of, oh, these, this one, two, three, these three foods, blah, 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 all the time. You know, okay, what about those food? What about foods four, five, and six that you're not getting that can bring in some nutrients that you truly need right now? You got some deficiencies going on. So I think that's another thing. Like, Ryan, what are, as far as like, what are the, some of the top deficiencies that you see with a lot of folks when it comes to a plant-based diet? You know, of course, always, it's always about B12 is the first thing that always comes up from those coming from the meat-eating world. But even though we know that even though that meat they're consuming with B12 is getting it from the same source that we're going to be getting it from, you know, it's pretty much coming from, you know, from the plant-based diet that that animal was on as well. So they're kind of getting a secondary B12. You know, as far as nutrients or whatever, but how you know what? How do you address that when it comes to those, like like what are the top nutrients that are kind of missing and deficiencies that you see? Yeah, a couple nutrients of concern. Uh, number one, I'd say is probably zinc. Uh, um, zinc is abundant in plant foods. We just don't always absorb that much because it can be bound up to other things and just excreted before we absorb it. So um, I'm I'm not afraid to recommend zinc supplements to people who eat plant-based and especially if they're quite physically active uh, another one and this is more of one that's um, more of my theory than I have like hard evidence on but vitamin K2 so vitamin K1 is abundant in, in plant foods and we can produce some K2 in the body but we're not quite sure how much it seems to be, be variable on the person and Vitamin K2, the only food source for, for vegans is uh, this soy product called natto, and yeah. not many people eat it. So uh, other than that, it's going to be really tough to get in a vegan diet. So zinc, K2, um, and iron only for 
women who still menstruate and men who donate blood regularly. Mm-hmm. Those are the three biggies. Yeah, the natto is a real acquired taste as well. Yeah. Even, even, even if you can get it, I don't know how many people would want to have it <laughs> right. you know, every day. <laughs> right. And, and then it's, yeah. Even though uh, I was talking to Thomas Inklinen about this, right? He's been on our show a couple times. He said he's never seen anyone on any diet who didn't have some deficiencies. And he's talking about right. people who eat meat, paleo, vegan, whatever it is. So everyone should be taking some baseline supplements to cover vitamins and minerals anyway instead of trying to make the diet perfect where you're following all these things. It's not a big deal to address a few vitamins and minerals just to make sure you're on course every day. Yeah, exactly. I, I do think sometimes we we look at certain diets – the vegan specifically we're talking about today, but we say it's like this nutrient-poor diet requires all these supplements, but it's hard to find a diet that really is you know complete in, in all corners. So yeah, there's no shame in supplements. I think a lot of people look at themselves as like a failure if they use a supplement, but I, there's no shame in that. And um, I, I definitely <laughs> recommend them. So. Right. Any, anyone who looks at themselves as a failure because they're using a few supplements, they need to go see a therapist. <laughs> you know? They might be a failure as a person. The problem, and they're just, you know, it's just expanding right. to other areas. It's permeating. <laughs> but then you also have some of those who are in the plant-based community that make people feel like failures for using yeah, supplements, right, and, right. and they're like, oh, no, yeah. for my plant, you know. Food is all you need. That's all you need. But I'm like, yeah, that would have been great 150 years ago to say that. <laughs> but let's just be honest. A lot of our food is no longer really food anymore. It's just things that we just happen to consume. So is they're coming from very nutrient poor sources, you know, nutrient poor soil. So even if you are someone who's not plant based and try to have that argument like, well, if, you know, having, you know, eating a plant based diet was so healthy, then why do you need supplements? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, but then again, you could be like me, like, okay, why are you all in my business? You know, go go help yourself. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Instead of sitting there trying to, you know, justify anything. But of course, you're always going to hear that because there are some people going to ask in a in a nice way, in a respectful way. They're like, well, why do you guys still supplement if this is pretty much the way to go? I'm like, well, it may not be the way to go 100% for you right now, but at the same time. So, yeah, like I said, there are those personalities out there that make it seem like, you know, you know, taking supplements makes you a failure. So they're the ones that need psychological help. <laughs> yeah, most of us who work out hard, we're depleting ourselves more than someone who's sedentary, right? So right. magnesium is important for everyone across the board, whether you eat meat, vegetarian diet, etc. Adding some extra magnesium is always going to be a good thing. Zinc is a good thing, too. It's incredibly important for testosterone, and you can easily deplete yourself if you're training hard, like a lot of us listening to this show do. So it's not... It's not just vegetarian. It's not just vegetarians that supplements are important for. It's really important for everyone. Right. And the key is to personalize that to determine what's optimal for you, rather than just doing a kitchen sink approach where you're just taking everything under the sun. That's kind of the opposite. Yeah. There's some people that don't want to take anything, and then there's people who take everything. everything. I've been I've been guilty of this myself. Yeah. So I'm speaking of experience where you're just researching stuff. You're like, oh man, that sounds great. Let me add that in. And then you come across something else. Oh, that sounds cool too. Let me add that in. Then all of a sudden, I mean, you have a whole cabinet dedicated just to your supplement use each day, and you're like, all right. It's time to simplify this and just pick the most bang for my buck options here rather than just trying to get every possible thing that could be useful for me across the board. On the flip side of that, yeah. you're no longer nutrient deficient, but your bank account is deficient. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, one other, as you were going through that, I just thought of one more, um, I can't believe I left it out, is 
an algae oil omega three supplement. I'm, yeah. I'm a pretty big fan of those too. So yeah, that, yeah that so was just DHA EPA. Yeah, yeah. 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 I always yeah. wonder like, well, if I can't take fish oil and krill oil, how do I address you know the omega threes that I need? You know, so that's well. That's, fish oil has a lot of negatives, and I'm going to yeah. bring on a guest soon to address that. Dr. Brian Peskin has done a lot of good research on fish oil and excessive fish oil, like a lot of the people in our community take, has a lot of negatives and very few positives. So I can understand maybe a small amount. Personally, I think I think you can get all the EPA, DHA you need from the plant, from the parent plant base. There's a lot of controversy on this. So if you get enough ALA in your diet, there'll be enough conversion over that you should be fine. Some will dispute that completely. Again, it's going to be an individual-based thing, but I, th- I think omega-3s have been just pigeonholed a little bit too much in terms of importance. They, they are important, but I think a lot of people panic on it and feel like they need large amounts every day. Especially what they're advertised for. I mean, there are also other options like, oh, it's great for heart health. Like, so are tomatoes. <laughs> you know, so it's just like they, they focus on this one thing that, you know, and make it seem like they're the magic pill for that one thing and and tend to, like, realize that there are other options for that as well. Instead of actually talk about the real thing, but they feel like they have to dumb it down because we start talking about the things we're talking about, they feel like the general public won't get that. So, Well, I mean, I'll just give an example, right? Like, a lot of people are eating a lot of fish oil to deal with inflammation, and right. the inflammation is coming from their diet, which is mm-hmm. not optimal. So they're going, okay, I need to eat this to address the inflammation. It's like, why don't you optimize your diet so there's less inflammation, and you don't need to suppress the immune response to drive inflammation down. So anyway, we won't go off in that black hole yeah. tangent too long. But it's just, it's, again, I'm just trying to get people to simplify things a little bit more. When it comes to nutrition, start with simplifying it, and then you can go into complexity where, based on what your needs are as you progress rather than making it extremely complex and overwhelming. Yeah, I think the one thing with, with all those trying to find out, like, you know, where you're deficient and instead of just buying everything under the sun, I think this is where testing is very important, and, you know, and, and getting tests and seeing, you know, exactly like what's missing and what you need to focus on instead of just, you know, just throwing some crap against the wall and hoping it sticks. And you end up, like I said, you end up wasting a lot of money and sometimes you may be good and a certain nutrient and then you start overdosing on it or whatever else. Now you've kind of put yourself in a bad situation that you didn't have to be in. So I think testing is very important with that. Yeah, yeah, it can be difficult. Take that money and put it into a test, and you pro- you have some money left over instead of all those supplements you're buying that you probably <laughs> don't need. <laughs> so, so Ryan, how did this whole journey to Uganda start off? Yeah, so um, gosh, I think it was back in '07. I started uh, helping my best friend from childhood. He started a nonprofit organization. And they had this group of women in Uganda that they employed, and and these women made these necklaces. Out oh, of the Arcola project. Products. I think it was similar to that. That okay. that's not it. It's specifically, but similar. Um, okay, because I don't yeah, know why so they, did the same thing with the Arcola project. It sounded like the same thing. They made the necklaces oh, cool. out of paper. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very similar. Yeah. So um, they employed this group of women over in Uganda, and I absolutely believed in the mission. I thought it was great. My friend was taking this path as his life, and um, I was on their their board of directors and i said you know how can i really get to know what you guys are doing over in africa he said well go over to africa and you can volunteer over there for a few weeks so i went over there for a few weeks and saw the ins and outs of how their organization worked and tried to look for ways to improve and just it it was good for me i don't love traveling especially outside of the united states um and it was good for me to i don't know i guess just really expand my view on things and kind of see how other cultures live 
And I, I realized one important thing when I was over there, and that was me going over to Uganda. They're probably not going to listen to much about what I, how I think they should live if I fly over and say, here's what you guys should do to improve your situations, X, Y, and Z. They're probably going to say, well, this is just some guy from the United States. Uh, he's, he doesn't understand what we're dealing with here. He doesn't understand our community. And I, it illustrated to me the importance of having role models with in your community who are setting a positive example. So I think in some certain cultures and communities around the world that are maybe struggling, I think one of the most important things is to have, have role models within those communities who are taking positive steps that people can kind of follow behind. Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Otherwise, you're just that white man from Boston you know, showing up yeah. to make a, to, show, to, do. to address his guilty conscience, and then you go back home like, oh, I feel so much better about myself now. Good luck, folks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Man, what, what stuck out the most out of the time you spent out there? Was there an experience that really uh, permeated with permeated with you? Uh, you know, the the big picture thing was what I just mentioned about uh, people in the community kind of taking a lead, but. What about smaller things? It's just a totally different way of life. I mean, they their daily life. In I was in a place called Jinja, and, and uh, it's just structured completely differently uh, from how a lot of people I know in Boston live. So their little farmers markets set up each day. That's where they get their food. They don't rely on electricity. They have to go gather their water. Um, it's just immense poverty. They're not glued to technology. Uh, technological devices and smartphones watching you know satellite tv it's just a, a different way of life i mean they really a, a great part of their day or their week is like gathering with some people in the community and like p- playing some instruments and dancing around and like telling stories like that's that's quality leisure time and i love that yeah. because i don't know where i live it's like you, leisure time is tech, technology time or it's isolation time or well, you know, there's just not that community Netflix aspect and chill time you know <laughs> right so it was cool to see that and i really i i learned a lot from observing them and I, I took some things back into my own life yeah that's definitely one of the things i observe quite a bit out there as well also how people are seemingly happy with a lot less than right yeah. if the average american was living what they had they'd be <laughs> depressed and complaining all day long every day that's for sure oh let me tell you some of the some of the younger ladies that went on that mission trip with my wife to uganda you know these are you know the sorority girls still in college you know very privileged families you know some of them were just dying you know while they were out there like oh my god oh my god it's just like we're sleeping on a dirt floor and you know where are the beds and you know we have to walk (laughs) to get our water and i you know i can't drink that water what do you mean and it was just so many different things and the fact that oh well yeah okay we're gonna have chicken for dinner okay we need to go out there and grab that chicken and kill it like excuse me what (laughs) you know so they were just surprised like oh yeah you want your food and you know if you want animal you know for food you're gonna have to go out and kill it right now and share with everyone. So it's not just going to be for you. So you don't get to have an eight piece by yourself there, Missy. So it was very eye opening for a lot of them. And she said, you know, a lot of them had some serious culture shock during the three weeks they were out there. You know, my wife's just laughing it up. And, yeah. just, you know, she's just like, oh, you cute little girls. If you well, then there's, there's kind of an irony in life that you often observe the contrast. And it's the more you have, the more difficult it is to, to have gratitude for what you have. Right. 
And this is something that I think everyone struggles with, especially over here. And I'm not saying I struggle with this myself. I'll, I'll give an example, which is you know trivial in the big scheme of things, but it kind of drives the point home. Now, just a couple of weeks ago, I had some issues with my rotator cuff where just raising my arm in front of me was painful. And I was thinking in my head, you know, because I love overhead pressing, especially kettlebell overhead pressing. But th- this pain was pretty bad. So I was thinking in my head, you know what? If I if if I never do another overhead press again, I'm okay as long as this pain goes. That's what you're thinking at that moment. It's kind of like when you're sick. You're like, man, I can't wait to feel better. I'm going to be grateful every day for not being sick. And then that lasts a day or two. But anyway, long story short, this wasn't a huge issue. I got I got the rotator cuff issue resolved via a chiropractor, my massage therapist. A week or so later, I'm back to kettlebell pressing. And the first day back, I'm like, oh man, this is great. It's great that I can do this again. And then the second day, you're going, man, this sucks that my strength dropped off so much you know, during this layoff. You're already back to complaining. You're like, man, this sucks. If I never had this injury, imagine where I would be right now. You know, you start thinking like that. And then you're like, like a week ago, you were, you, were, you were grateful just to raise your arm in front of you without pain. You know, you're like, you, you could care less about ever doing an overhead press again. Now you're back to doing that and you're complaining that you're not at the strength you were a few weeks ago. It's just, it's just very difficult. When I had this lung incident, actually, it, it happened in Uganda. It didn't happen in Uganda. I was, I was, I had this really bad pneumonia, which got worse when I arrived in Uganda. And I was thinking at that moment, I was like, you know, I can't wait to just be able to breathe again and, and be able to just sit here comfortably because I was just miserable. And, you know, for maybe like the first week or two after treatment, you're really grateful. And then you just devolve right back into complaining about these everyday trivial things. So it's, it's extremely difficult. So I can see why someone who has never been in a world like that is going to have that culture shock. So I'm not too hard on people when I see people who've never been to a place like India or Uganda before and they're just right. overwhelmed by it because – of course, it's overwhelming. It's extremely right. overwhelming. Exactly. Well, and well, change is I'm overwhelming. Glad you, you know. Yeah, no, and no. Mike, I'm I'm glad you mentioned the happiness thing. I, ever since that trip, I've been very I've been fascinated with what what is it that makes people happy, right? And because it kind of, I don't know. I had this thought up until that trip that it's really about kind of accumulating materials items and like moving up in the job force and like all these things like oh yeah if i do this then i'll have greater happiness but you start to kind of i don't know when you see these other cultures living a certain way and how they're feeling you just kind of question that and like what really does bring happiness Uh, is it different than what we think yeah sometimes people say could i be happy with a lot less and the real question they should be asking themselves is can i be happy with excess Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at any hoarder. They're not happy. Look at people that, that blow a lot of money to uphold their lifestyle. So the, the stress that comes with that. It's like, man, I need to make this much each month. Otherwise, this all goes away. If I get fired from my job and I'm out of work for three months, it all goes away. So that's constantly on your mind. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be said about less is more. You know, because you you have more you have more room for experiences when you have a lot of less stuff holding you down and anchoring you where you are. You know, so it, and it sounds so well. It's very simplistic. I mean, no, really, seriously, just little things doing little things. That you know, I saw Ryan online that you know once you came back, like you got rid of cable. You know, Mike talks about that all the time. You know, just all those little things start just kind of making things a lot better. You know, instead of like ah. Oh, 
damn, man, you know, I gotta, now I gotta watch this show and this show and this show. And I got DVR this. And then you look on your DVR, you've got like a hundred shows that you haven't caught up on. And now you're feeling overwhelmed because, of course, these are Western problems. <laughs> you know, you're sitting there thinking, like, God, I missed the whole season of Blind Spot, you know, and quality. <laughs> and, you know, all I have is three months before the new season starts. Then I'm gonna be behind and I missed Mr. Robot's first season, the second season. <laughs> what the hell, man? It's not even on Netflix, so I can't even binge on it. So these are like some of the Western issues that we have, you know, but, you know, again, man, less is more. You know, just well, you know, that's a pretty, that's a good analogy you bring up, sincere, because I, I've I've experienced long periods of time with no television at all, and I've experienced times where I have access to it. And I'll, I'll be honest, man, there are some shows I enjoy watching, and there's some shows I watch now. I have Roku, I don't have cable, but I have Roku, and there's shows I like to tune into each week. But that said, I've been through periods of time where I didn't have television at all, and I got to tell you, I didn't miss it one bit. Right. <laughs> Out is, you just found other stuff to do. Yeah, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it was just like funny. that option's not there, so you got to go do. You got to get out of the house. You got to go meet people. Maybe you're more social than you normally are. Maybe you, you go for longer walks with your dog than you normally right. do. You, know, you just like, find stuff to do. Yeah. You know? I don't have to get back in the house for anything. You know, like I told you a few weeks ago, <laughs> you know, when you know I have UVerse when everything's connected to it. So the 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 wire, you know, the internet, you know, the cable, all that's all together, and it went out for like almost three days. And I wasn't upset about it. You know, I just told him, hey, man, find the problem. Do what you guys have to do. I'm good. You know, honestly, you know, I'd already uploaded the show or whatever. So it wasn't like a big deal to get the, the show uploaded, which I could have found other ways to do it. But I enjoyed that. I actually left the house and just went out and enjoyed and went to a place I haven't been in a while. You know, I actually just right. sat there like in a bookstore and just chilled for like hours, you know, and things like that, man. So and it was refreshing. You know, I didn't. Honestly, I didn't even care as long as they had it up by Tuesday so we can record the show. <laughs> so <laughs> otherwise, I could have gone four or five days with that. I would have cared. And I just I just went um, trained with um, Tim, you know, Tim Larkin's people this past weekend with yeah. TFT training. And the hotel I was in, of course, they said they had Wi-Fi, but the Wi-Fi was crap. It didn't work. And for those, you know, two days, those three days I was there, there was no Wi-Fi. Dude, I was I didn't care. You know, it wasn't a big deal to me. I'm like, I'm I'm here to actually do this training. And otherwise, I'm just coming to the room. I just want to relax, spend some, have some me time. And I was good with that. You know, it's just, you know, but I know some people, if they don't have Wi-Fi, dude, they'll lose their freaking minds. Hell, if they, even if their phone is like losing, it's down to 90% on the battery, they start losing their mind. Like, I got to plug my phone. And I was like, wow, it's so funny. Yeah, they keep their phone plugged up to 100% all the time. Yeah, right. I used to be guilty of that. I said, well, now I don't, I no longer have a wireless phone. I have a landline now. <laughs> when you start well, people, well, people are like that with food, right? People, people feel, they go, if I'm even a little bit hungry, there's a lot of bad things that are going to happen. I'm going to start, <laughs> I'm going to start lose, I'm going to start losing muscle. My blood sugar is going to drop. Yeah, I'm gonna. I may. I may pass out. Right. So, you say, I mean, people in other. I mean, people and most people in underdeveloped parts of the world, they experience hunger all the time, varying from immense to mild. A lot of times, immense. But it seems that when you're used to being able to consume nutrition or fake nutrition all of the time. Oral entertainment. A lot of the stuff people eat is just oral entertainment. Prince Bell, you're going to have fun with that statement, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, you're not nourishing yourself. But there's this panic of hunger. It's like, it's like you're missing out on something. So it's just like with what you're saying with the phone, Sincere. What I, what I find interesting is this. I was thinking about concert experiences when I was in high school, college. Right. This is before cell phones proliferated. Certainly before smartphones proliferated. So when, when I went to a Metallica concert at the Capitol Center in Washington, D.C. when I was 15, there wasn't any distraction from the concert because you couldn't get on your phone and call someone. You couldn't check the Internet. 
what was happening in the world outside of that concert didn't matter because all you were focused on was that what you're doing right there. It was impossible to be distracted. Now, imagine if someone went to a concert now and they had a rule like you need to check your phone at the door. Oh, <laughs> you know? man, be like, here, here's your locker. <laughs> well, you could pick it up after the show. They, would, they wouldn't know what to do. They're like, I can't, I, I can't go to this concert without documenting it and sharing it on social media. You know, what's the point of doing that? I need to let people know just, I'm here, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> but, but I also think about what people would think, like if, if you showed a bunch of concert goers, let's say late, early 90s, they go, look, here's what the future is going to be like for concerts. And you just show all of these people with their screens. They would think that they're the biggest dorks in the world, <laughs> man. You know? Look at those jack-offs, man. Everyone's just looking down at their phone, of all things, the whole time instead of watching a concert. Going to a concert when I was a kid was this incredible escape right from your reality. It was just this amazing experience of you're just immersed in something so different than your daily experience that the last thing you wanted to do was merge your daily experience with that. You wanted to take a break from that, a vacation from that, if you will. Well, I yeah, I most people look back and like, wait a minute. You mean the Rolling Stones are still going to be alive 20 years from now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Barely. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, still breathing. <laughs> all this, uh, uh, the, t- the technology stuff, it, it, I try to be very, aware of my consumption of TV and movies and entertainment advertising and my use of my smartphone and all that stuff because you know I'd hate to like make it sound like you guys said I mean there's some value in TV and movies are very entertaining and informative and smartphones can be helpful in certain situations but I do think it's taken it seems to be quite excessive these days and I'm often wondering why so I try to be aware of my own use and um, yeah, I try to consider why other people might be using it excessively. But I mean, to balance the discussion, I'll say some of the positives. I mean, there have been times where, let's say you're stuck in the airport for an, a couple extra hours, and now instead of just sitting around, walking around the airports or looking for something to do, you can listen to a podcast, you can watch a show, right. you can entertain yourself in some way so that it's not you're not just bored out of your mind for several hours. Sometimes you go just like just running errands instead of just listening to the same music over and over again. You can plug in a show in your phone in your car and listen to that while you're driving around. So now you're making that time work for you. Often when I go to the grocery store, I'm listening to a podcast while I'm doing things. So it's like you're absorbing that information. So, so those are some of the positives. Some of the negatives that we've gone through is that you're just it, it can well you know you know what the, you know what really emphasizes the negatives more than anything else is this phenomenon of Pokemon Go. All right. Yeah. Dude, I didn't know what the hell that was. So I saw like my HOA group. They're like, "Oh, I think some kid by our phone. They're doing a Pokemon Pokemon." I'm like, "What? What are y'all talking?" I was out of town. I was in Canada. At well, the leave, time. leave it to leave it to the HOA to be well versed in the biggest waste of time out there. <laughs> that's all they. That's all they do is waste time. Exactly. I was like, I, the only reason about? I know is because all of a sudden there's a hundred people at the park. I take my dogs to when before there used to be three other people there walking their dogs. <laughs> right. Now now the parking lot is always jam packed of people walking around with their fucking phones looking for Pokemon in the bushes all right well, and i was like i've never seen years later be looking for pokemon now i'm like really is this this is what we're doing no, but, but <laughs> I, I guess kills this me, is though. a sad commentary that that the real world is so boring to people that are addicted to technology <laughs> that they will not enter it unless there's a virtual component but here's the thing that makes me laugh it's not i thought this was something that the kids were doing but i'm seeing grown-ass <laughs> men running and sweating i'm thinking they're working out no this idiot's running looking for pokemon go i'm like <laughs> is this what it took to get your ass off a couch and run i'm like well then maybe it's not such a bad thing <laughs> you know well, it's, it's, i mean that part's true but it's kind of sad that yeah. 
the park is not like the parks here are really nice. They're yeah. they're nice to go to just to go to. I go sprinting there. I take the dogs there. I hang out with people there. They're nice. So it's kind of a sad commentary that this is what it takes to get people to go to the park and enjoy being outside. And then at the same time, you're not even really out there because you're still immersed in your phone. Yeah, your yeah, head exactly. is in your phone. <laughs> yeah, that's just I didn't understand what that was. It was when I came back from like my my vacation. I came back to the States. I'm like, what the hell happened in the week that I was gone? <laughs> like, <laughs> like the walking dead out there. Yeah, exactly. Like, I want to go back to Quebec, man. <laughs> because everyone there was so in the moment enjoying their life and everybody's out and they're active and everybody's so social. It was just like, it was almost like it wasn't real. I was like, is this real? I'm like, what's the crime rate here? Oh, I think we may have had like maybe one or two murders, I think, in the last like 10 years. I was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> I was like, what does that even mean? And, and it was from multiple sources when we asked that. Like every time we had an Uber driver and we'd ask them, like, what's it like here and what's the crime like? And they said the exact same thing. I said, I think there may have been two people may have been murdered. I was like, dude, do you understand? Like, I think there may have been two people murdered in the last two minutes that we were talking back in the United <laughs> States. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just crazy. And I came back to all this and Pokemon Go and. You know, other issues in the news are like, oh, God, I want to go back. It's <laughs> just seriously, man. Well, what's funny with this whole thing is that I was reading some news report talking about how a lot of kids are are complaining about their feet being sore because they've never had this much activity before. <laughs> this case. <That's> sad. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like so it's, they, didn't, they didn't have the fitness level to play this game. <laughs> it was so like they were wearing Vibrams for the first time and try to go sprinting or something right, like that right. and made their feet sore. <laughs> There's also more crime happening as a result because well, that's the reason you're so why distracted on your phone. You have this brand new phone. And basically people are going, oh, this is perfect. This, this is perfect opportunities to just pick people off because they're completely distracted. Yeah, they're immersed in this game. Yeah, that, that's, that's one thing I'm seeing more and more of. In fact, just, you know, you've got people, you know, just had a case like last night where, you know, someone was doing Pokemon Go and somebody tried to rob him. And then the dude was concealed carrying him, shooting the, the guy to try to rob him. You know, so I'm just like, really? Now Pokemon Go is now this gangster thing to do? You know, but again, it's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, now Pokemon's thugged out now. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, but it becomes that, situ- you know, that thing where situation awareness is now zero because people are so as if they needed any more reason to be unaware of what's going on in their surroundings and not be in the moment. And, you know, so it just becomes this one more distracting thing on top of the privacy issues, you know, with this app. So it, it's, it's strange, man. It's so strange, you know, it's just so strange. Well, I mean, so, yeah, like you said, Ryan, sometimes, sometimes it just really feels good just to disconnect and just like, ah, here's real life. This is what it's like. <laughs> is that a human? Can we talk? Oh, we're actually talking to each other. You know, I, I don't have to unfriend you. I don't have to block you. Or, you know, I don't have to sit there and follow you and, you know, like or anything like this. If I like you, it means I'm, ta- you know, the proof is I'm talking to you. <laughs> if I don't like you, I stop talking. You know, I don't, they don't have to get upset. It's like, oh, well, that was, that, you know, that guy was interesting. Wasn't much of a conversation. Whereas online is like, why'd you unfriend me? Well, we're not really friends. Dude. This is Facebook. <laughs> I've never even met you in my life. So what are you talking about? So it's crazy, like I said, that virtual reality that Mike was talking about, but it's far from reality. Well, it's just, it's just the beginning. There's going to be more. This, this thing is a, is a big success. So there are going to be more games like this, and it's just, it's just going to become more and more sophisticated. That's that's obviously the next turn of the page. Yeah, I did see thing. that when I was in Canada. Like pretty much every time we would go somewhere shopping, there was a lot, and they had this big 
festival, this music festival going on at the time. And pretty much they had a lot of booths set up with virtual reality, like, you know, putting on the glasses and all that. And, hey, you want to try virtual reality? And my wife goes, no, nah, I'm kind of addicted to real, re- you know, real reality. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to stick with this for a little while. It's already overwhelming enough as it is. So it's no sense going into a, a even faker world than we're already in. But it was like a big thing there. Putting on the glasses, like, what is this, man? Like an old 90s movie where this used to be science fiction, but now it's happening. You know, it's like it's trying to make a comeback, actually, because they tried it before. And now it's like now it's the perfect scenario to bring virtual reality back because now people really accept it. Whereas back in the 90s, everybody's kind of like, ah, this is kind of kooky, man. You know, you had some of the nerds who loved it, but everyone else like this is kind of stupid. You know, I'm I'm dating a girl through some glasses. (laughs) So, you know, 20 years later, they've been dating girls through a computer screen. So, you know, now virtual reality is not too far fetched. (laughs) So. Well, you're just you're just not going to have transformational experiences through these mediums. Something no. like what you had, Ryan, when you went to Uganda for three weeks, and I've I've spent a lot of time overseas. You have two sincere, so you're you're just not going to have these transformational, long-lasting experiences on your psyche and how you want to move forward with your life by just engaging in virtual worlds the whole time. It's kind of scary. You got you know fake fake realities, fake events, fake food. It's like gosh, man. <laughs> Kind of interesting. So Ryan, you have a book you're finishing up. You've written a few. What's the what's the latest one you're working on? Yeah. So uh, thanks for contributing to that, by the way. But um, sure. yeah, I'm finally going to launch a, a personal website and offer, I believe, a free ebook on the site. Um, so hopefully that'll be going uh, hopefully by September. Or so, but uh, yeah, it's it's a book about. Um, the title is not final yet, but something along the lines of plant-based eating 2.0 or plant-based eating redefined and kind of some of the myths that go along with plant-based eating, simple ways of going about it. And then I have a big Q&A section with uh, a bunch of people kind of in the whole plant-based community. So I think it'll be pretty cool. Uh, sounds good. And you also offer one-on-one nutrition consulting, right? You, this can be done from a distance as well. So you can just where, – where can people find out more about that? Yeah, all of my coaching is actually through Precision Nutrition. So okay. we have we have we have coaching programs for men, women. We have coaching programs for fitness professionals. So yeah, if anybody's interested in that, just check out PrecisionNutrition.com and uh, get on one of the uh, informative lists or like the pre-sale list, and you'll get more information there. Well, sounds good, man. It's great talking to you. Great having you on. Anything else you want to mention? No, man. I really I really appreciated this. I've uh, I've been a fan of yours for a long time, Mike. And it's it's nice to meet you, sincere. And I love talking yeah. about black beans and lentils and greens <laughs> with these two guys and workouts. This is awesome. I love it. Well, cool, awesome, man. Real man. pleasure. Thanks for thanks for coming on, and you have a great day. All right, see you guys. Take care, man. Take care. Take care, Ryan. All right, that is our friend Ryan Andrews. Take him out. Check him out at PrecisionNutrition.com. A lot of great information over there in general. So definitely go immerse yourself and get even more confused <laughs> about, about, about nutrition with thirty different ideas and how to optimize stuff. But hey, that's the, that's the way things go. Is sometimes look, if, you know, if you're a really busy person and you don't have time to figure this all out, what is, you know what that means? It means you hire someone like exactly. Ryan to do it. A lot of us do that, right? A lot of people don't want to deal with all the new tax laws and sophisticated accounting practices, so you hire an expert. You delegate that out. You have a, you have a, a, when you want to develop a brand-new website with all the latest plugins, you hire someone to do that. You don't have time exactly. to spend all your time doing that. So you just have to realize – you just have to prioritize what's important to you and then delegate out things that – 
are better. If you're better off hiring an expert to do something than your own research, then you want to hire that expert. Exactly. Exactly, man. Instead of banging your head up against the wall. <laughs> so instead of researching what testosterone booster is the best, you already know which one's the best. Mine. <laughs> you know, so go to MikeMahler.com, read all the information on aggressive strength and buy some of it instead of wondering if it's the best option. Clearly, it's the best option. If you think there's another option that's better, then stop listening to the show and go get it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <clears throat> so, yeah, man. So I guess while we have a little time, man, just kind of get on this little Mark Hunt rant to kind of follow up from, you know, uh, what you <laughs> A little. Yeah. Be like, that guy's, I mean, we, we there, was, there wasn't any video footage of him when he was oh, talking to Ariel, but his head looked like it was about to, I mean, I'm oh, sure his my. head probably looked like it was about to blow up oh, like man, a coconut. You can just hear the frustration, but the, the point is, you know, what I did take away from that is just like, yeah, man, it kind of, it gets to the point where, you know, when you have that, you have the UFC and you have, you know, everybody's you know, Usada and all them. They have you can tell they have their favorites and they also know they're going to go where the money goes. So, you know, it, it, I, I get his point about the whole thing with Brock. Like, OK, you, they should have it with these fighters who cheat and they should give up their purse. You know, they should give up their purse and, and give it to the other fighters. Just like someone doesn't make way to give up the purse. I can I can see the reasoning with that. But sure. no one ever has to give up anything when they get popped other than maybe six months of, of fighting or a year or two years like that. But here's a guy. Rock's not worried about it because he's – I think they get fined, but it doesn't benefit their opponent. They just get fined and USADA or whoever the governing yeah, body is the takes that money. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. They, they yeah, just so get the money. So why so do they get the money? Yeah, exactly. They, you know, it's, just, it's just like, you know, hey, man. I mean, it's just, I, like I said, I get this frustration, especially when – you know, he's not the only one. I've heard, like, you know, Tim Kennedy and all these other guys who, you know, a lot of these guys who've been clean and they, they really get frustrated with people who cheat. And, and these usually are the guys who get all the top billing. These are the guys who pretty much get all the main events. And, and other guys get, you know, they can be just as highly ranked, but for some reason they get overlooked, which again can attribute to their marketing and, you know, promoting of themselves as well. But again, how do you level the playing field like that? It's just kind of like, like he brought up, you know, about like Lance Armstrong or whatever else. So basically, the only way to really compete and be in the game and, you know, be up there with these guys, you have to cheat, too. So and, and again, you got it where, you know, the organizations don't take responsibility. It's kind of like we, we've talked about with like the NFL, you know, and pretty, you know, pretty much they turn a blind eye to a lot of this stuff, because especially if it's their top money makers until their top money maker does something that's just sure. utterly stupid in the public eye. And now the public's looking like or even the, you know, in Major League Baseball to the point where they've gotten caught. And now the the witch hunt is out there. Those those, those fans of baseball who were fans of that person first before baseball. Right. And, you know, then once they try to take a holier than thou approach, like, well, what are you going to do by Barry Barnes? You got to put an asterisk by his name. He can't go to the Hall of Fame, blah, blah, blah. But nobody was complaining when he was knocking all those freaking home runs. Right. To that point. Hell, I, hell, I wasn't. That was entertaining. Up, man. Yeah. It's like you didn't like him when he pretty much was not a media darling. OK, that's the problem. And right, right. so, like I said, once they once the fans turn their backs on him, then all of a sudden there's a witch and like, do something about him. Do something. You need to do something about all this cheating, you know. So I'm like, well, I mean, this whole leveling the playing field is an illusion. It's yes. never going to happen. Every test can be beaten. There's always going to be some new substance that is not on the banned list yet because no one's aware of it. So th th there's always going to be sophisticated ways around this. You're asking athletes to perform at the highest level possible, and if they don't, they're going to get cut. And if they want to make the most money, they have to move up the top. Right. So and, and then you're basically saying we want you to perform at this ridiculously high level. And wink, wink, 
You do whatever it takes to get there, but if you get caught, we're going to throw you under the bus. Right. You, you know the tr- you know the chance you're taking. So you know that we got to keep our hands clean in this. And you agree to it because you're like, well, otherwise you don't work. Well, at least not in that sport. You know, you might end up back at, you know, my favorite place, the Home Depot. <laughs> so, you got you know, so that that's that's the catch 22 in all this. And on top of that, you know, these fans don't have a problem as long as this person is knocking somebody the hell out. You know, and beating people down or whatever else until, you know, then when it comes out, they got they get now they're making a moral choice. Like if I keep rooting for this guy, that means that, you know, I'm all about cheating. And am I a cheater? You know, you does this reflect on me? And so then they start taking, like I said, that holier than thou approach to it. Like, oh, John Jones is a cheater. But, dude, do you have all the facts? Doesn't matter. He's a cheater. He had to be when he gets when you. Yeah, and we we don't know all the facts. We don't know all the facts with Brock either. Yet, you know. So that's the thing is that he has to get his day in in court to make his case, and then you go on from there. So we don't really. We're in you know we're in a time now where you know having facts. What the hell are those? Like, who cares about facts? It's about perception. You know that goes in all aspects of you know. I mean, people want to assume the worst possible scenario. So with John Jones, they're saying, okay, he he must have taken something else to take these to recover from that. So he, he was <laughs> right. probably on all kinds of anabolics. This is why he was so good. This is why he was such a dominant champion. Doing because, powerlifting and all that. Right, and right, right, right. Putting on muscle and. I'm like, and wow. the, the, the simple truth could be that he took a tainted supplement that had clomid and letrozole, and that was the only things he took. He didn't take anabolics and then take these and then take clomid to jumpstart his natural production again. He maybe maybe he just took a tainted supplement that had these things in. A lot of ta- a lot of fighters have gotten popped for taking SARMs like Osterin, which we've talked about on the show before, which is on the banned list. And it turns out they were taking supplements where it wasn't on the label. It was in the product, but it wasn't on the label. This happened to Tim Means. And yeah. Tim Means got a six-month suspension, even though he took a product where he thought it was just creatine and a couple other things. He didn't realize there was any Austrian in it. And even when he provided proof of sending in the bottle, the lab tested it, USADA tested it, even then he still got pinched. He still got a suspension. Well, even on just saying that, you know, that you can't level the playing field because even then, you know, you have – Different athletes taking different supplements. You know, different supplements are going to affect them in a different way than the other person. So it's never going to be level. Okay. That playing field. Someone's doing something that's going to enhance whatever they're training for. Well, even in Mark Hunt's case, right? He's, he's angry about potentially fighting all these people that are on PEDs, but, and and he's true. And I'm not saying that he doesn't have a case, but when he was, he was, when he was in pride, all right, he fought guys that were juiced probably. 30 times more than they are at UFC because they didn't care. Not only did Pride not care if you used, they encouraged use. Right. Those are just the facts. And he knew that and he talks about it in his book. Right. So his, his days in Pride were way more dangerous than his days in the UFC are because at least in the UFC, they're actually testing and people are getting caught. Right. And they're getting banned and so forth. So they're taken out of the game for a while. So there, there are penalties that are going on right now. It's not like people are getting popped. And then it's going, oh, no problem. We'll no give problem. you a pass this time. No, get over I, it. I understand his argument, though, of they're cheating and they're getting paid a lot. And then he's not and he's getting paid less. Why isn't I, I do agree that some at least some some percentage of his opponents per should go to him. Right. When they're that that seems perfectly reasonable to me. Exactly. Hell, even those who get popped before the fight comes up. That a percentage of, you know, whatever they signed a contract for, they need to pay a fine to that opponent because this dude just lost a payday. You know, he, he just put in three, four months of training and racked up bills. He has a family or whatever else. And some of these guys don't have an opponent. You know, that fight gets scrapped right. until, the, you know, next time. So, 
you know, that person should get a percentage. In fact, that person probably should get 50% of your purse at the very least. But, you know, because, dude, it's got to cover some expenses here. You know, it's not their fault that you, you got, you cheated and you got caught. So why should they be penalized for that? You know, right. it's, it's kind of like, like back in grade school, you had the one person that, you know, when the teachers said be quiet, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then this one person keeps acting up. So the teacher makes everyone take a nap because this one jack off messed up and wouldn't shut up and wouldn't stop acting up. It's like, well, you know, if he messed up, everybody's going to get in trouble. Why? Why should I be penalized? Because this butthole, you know, doesn't have discipline, doesn't have any home training. He can't follow directions, you know. So, you know, why, why should it be that way? So. And then, you know, people that are fans on the sidelines complaining, uh, the only question I have is, are you going to stop watching the U.S.? Exactly. You know, are you, did you, <laughs> you know, at least stop Mark watching? was like, you know, he's like, look, man, it's my FTS company. He's just like, keep right. this, like, uh, you know, my, people are like, oh, they, this is terrible that the UFC is doing this. Oh, when's the next pay-per-view event coming exactly. up? Okay, cool. I'll be watching that. <laughs> you know, so, who are you kidding, man? I'm talking about like, how like, are you? <laughs> you know? Right, right. You're going to cancel your cable subscription and stop watching <laughs> baseball because after all these, the, the whole PED scandal came out there. How many, how did baseball take a big hit in profit after that whole thing came out? No, no, not all right. these, all these head concussions that happen in football. Is that causing anyone to pause and say, Hey, maybe I shouldn't be supporting this. Maybe I shouldn't be encouraging people to play this. No. Somebody, you know, so that's, that's the one thing to my, yeah, if you're really protesting something, then protest with your dollars. How pissed off are you? Because trust me, if I go to a, a, a establishment or something like that and the service sucked and I'm pissed off and right, right. it's unacceptable, I won't ever go back there. And right. if anyone brings it up, I will tell them don't go back. <laughs> then I go on their website, leave a crappy review like that hotel <laughs> that I was in this past weekend, you know, with the muggy ass room and those hard ass beds. And, and even though they falsely advertise it in the non-working Wi-Fi, you know, when they sent me the email saying, for my review, I'm not going to sit there and let it go because yeah, my yeah. silence is actually, you know, validating, you know, them and, and, and my agreement with them. But I did not agree with that. Yeah, the staff was nice. You know, so, yeah, I gave them their props. They, it wasn't, you know, their fault. There's a crappy ass hotel, you know, that lied about their star rating and all this other stuff. But I couldn't let it go because I don't want someone else to have to deal with what I dealt with. And guess what? And I told my wife, so don't you, if you're ever looking up hotels, don't ever pick that one. Make sure you <laughs> never forget that hotel because if you see it, keep it moving, <laughs> you know. So that's how you, that's how you do it. That's what you do when you're, if something really pisses you off and you can't stand it. That's when you know you're really pissed. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. When you're never, when you're not going to support the product or service ever again, that means that you're backing it up with real action. Right. Otherwise, you're just talking. It's yeah, like, yeah, they back. suck. Oh, but I do like that mango sticky rice there, so I guess I'll go back. <laughs> you know? Come on, which one is it? Come on, damn man! But no one else makes that that mango sticky rice like they do. Like, what am I supposed to do? Learn how to make it your damn self. <laughs> you know, that's what I usually do. <laughs> so yeah, man. So yeah, interesting thing, man. We'll, it's gonna be interesting seeing like how all this turns out for these these fighters. It's not like it's gonna change anything with the UFC. They're still gonna be making their billions, you know, especially with you know potential buyers on the market right now. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Well, but, I mean, they've they've put in the most intense drug screening measures right. they can, you know, more so than really any other sport does. Yeah. So I mean, that's a lot right there. Now I think I think the complaint though is that when someone gets pinched. Yeah, fighter who caught the person in question 
should be compensated in some way for that. And I think that's valid. So that's just something they're going to have to figure out. You know, this, these, these are new issues yeah. for a company to deal with. So they have to figure out what's the best course. And it's, it's not as simple as, okay, we'll come up with something over the weekend and start initiating See, that's that. The problem. Everybody, you have to think about all the problem. ramifications. Yeah, when, when there's a problem, there's, there's always people to do something. You know, Just like if there's a mass shooting, oh, we got to do something. Okay, what? What is the something? You know, and don't just repeat things you've heard. Like, what is a really, what is an idea that, what, what is a theory that can really like start that can work? And, you know, don't just say things that you've heard. You know, what is the, what is the solution? And a lot of times people don't have it, you know, but just do something. Like, no, don't ever just do that because people might do the wrong thing just to shut, you know, just so they can say, I did something. You know, you said do something. You didn't say anything specific. So, you know, like I said, I think what, you know, what Mark was bringing up is a step in the right direction. It's, it's some valid points. And, you know, when cooler heads prevail, then maybe those ideas will be looked upon. But right now, everybody's kind of one's, you know, it seems like one's, one side is dodging one. The other one's pissed off and can't really put two sentences together because they're so pissed off. Very emotional. Because, <laughs> like, listen to his rant. Like, I said, this dude is about to explode. <laughs> like, I was like, wow, man. Well, the problem with a lot of people is even simple things that make a difference, people tend to avoid doing because in their mind, they just say, oh, it's not going to make any difference, so why bother, right? That, that's, the easiest, that's the easiest way to cop out on whatever a situation is. You know, there's an example of this guy in Pakistan where he, was, he went home, visited his parents, and he came across this zoo where there's this elephant called oh, Kevin that's been yeah. sitting there chained yeah. for 30 years. Yeah. And the first thing he did was get these people, these zookeepers, at least give them some room to move around so he's not chained all the time. Right. So that was the first step. Then he realized, no, that's not enough. He's like, we need to get this elephant to a sanctuary. So yeah, he, created, I saw that. Yeah. he created this huge campaign, brought a ton of international exposure to it, which is why we're talking about it right now. Yep. And then that gave him enough firepower to go to the government and say, look, the whole world is looking at this situation. Right. This is what people think of it, that we need to do something about this. And they agreed with him. And long story short, this elephant's going to be moved to a proper sanctuary where you can be with other elephants. It's a great story, man. I was yeah, I really happy yesterday. to see this. Yeah, yeah I was really yesterday. happy. And the same thing with the Yulin Dog Festival. Same thing, man. It's just like, yeah. you know, it first became, you know, very prominent, you know, from a global scale, like probably like last year is when people really started, you know, making us think about it, you know, really like bringing attention to it. Right. And then, you know, it took about, you know, a year later, it got canceled this year. You know, this is like yeah, after all those petitions and getting everyone to go online and sign a petition or whatever and kind of bring it to, you know, to the, you know, the government over there. That, hey, man, people don't think this is cool. You should probably stop this, <laughs> you know. And yeah, what, what it does is it gives the person who created the position, the person, the, the person who is spearheading this campaign, it gives them some firepower when they can say, look, this is what people think of the situation. So we need to do something me. about it. You know. Yeah, exactly. There was a guy in, in Romania went to some restaurant and they have this bear chained up there. So people that are eating lunch can just look at this poor bear chained up in a, in a, dungeon type room sitting around by himself bored out of his mind going crazy and he's like this is this, he's like this is deplorable so he right. did something about it. he started this campaign and he, long story short again he got he got them to move this bear to a sanctuary so a lot of these things work a lot of times people look at these petitions and go oh that's a waste of time he's right. like you know what's so fucking waste of time posting pics of yourself all day long on facebook <laughs> looking at other people posting pics of themselves all day long commenting on people that are desperately in need of their, they have their narcissism or getting narcissistic into a, tendencies <laughs> supported. So those those are all things that are a waste of time. Get into a, a timeline flame war over politics, you know, and like which <laughs> yeah, president is going to be better for the country or whatever. Like, really? How about you actually get out into the in, in the community 
and help make this country great again instead of just thinking that that vote's going to be enough, you know. <laughs> so but then they think like, well, that that vote should be enough. No, it's really not. Well, so, a lot of it is. Let me just do something quick and then move on with my day. So I, so I can say I did something. Ease my conscience. I did yeah. something. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm not just sitting here complaining. At least I voted. Okay. And uh, and what else? <laughs> you know, I'm just like, come on, man. You know, it's, it takes more. Like, how pissed off are you? To myself, yeah. So that's the thing. You know, people's outrage is like, okay, what what what's the level of your outrage? <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> my thing is at a level one where it's just like, you know what, that dude cut me off of traffic. F that guy. You know, or is it a level outrage where some dude just walked in, you know, in a bar and grabbed your wife's ass and and looked at you like, what are you gonna do about it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then your wife is looking at you, yeah, what? Are you gonna do about it? <laughs> <laughs> you're too busy looking at your phone playing pokemon go you don't even realize it happened like uh, he grabbed my ass yeah right babe anyway is that <laughs> nobody's grabbing your ass girl stop playing <laughs> did it happen virtually in the pokemon exactly. go world or you mean literally wait like minute, ass grabbing i didn't see that in the app wait a minute where what level is that on <laughs> A lot of times, though, that people people like to get angry about stuff, so they have something to talk about with other people. Like right. I was telling you, like sometimes at the dog park, there's like a whole <laughs> group of people just complaining about something. Did you see that speech at the Republican convention? It's like, oh, that's old, that's that's old Bond. While we complain about that, you know, it's like that is that kind of situation. Okay, I'm laughing right now because that accent you just did. I now that I hung out with you a couple of months ago, I almost know who you're talking. About. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can you never tell, dude. <laughs> There's only a few people at the dark park who sound like that. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of times for people, complaining is a bonding experience. Oh, yeah. I would say, like, try going the entire day without complaining about anything. I mean, anything, trivial or intense. Just one day, you will realize how difficult that is because it's such an automatic response to so many things. And the thing is, when you when you make that commitment to it for one day, every time you feel like you're about to, you're more in the moment to realize, like, oh, I was just yeah, yeah, absolutely. To complain, then you then you start checking. So like, damn, I bitch a lot because <laughs> I had to stop myself quite a few times today. It was kind of chronic for a second there. Right in in some in some religions in some some sects of Hinduism, they have this thing called a day of silence, right? So like one day out of the week, or it might be one day out of the week, or maybe even just one day out of the month. But it's a day where you don't talk at all. You don't talk to anyone on the phone. You don't talk to anyone around. Love it. It's and it's all it's all it's all about just like quelling your ego, just shutting yourself off. Now, and this is this this practice predates the internet and smartphones and all that crap. Right. Grover, you need to do this day of silence today. <laughs> you know? So so basically, a lot of people would hear that and go, oh, I can do that. Now, all I do is text people all day long. You're still communicating. A day of silence yeah, yeah, means yeah. no communication. <laughs> uh, I can still email and text? Hell, man. That is non-verbal communication, okay? <laughs> Someone's like, whole, oh, I can do that. Whole, I do that already. All I do is text people and post on Facebook anyway. I don't talk to anyone. This is easy. <laughs> I, I think anything that gets you to be in the moment, like you just said, the good thing about catching yourself, go to go the whole day without complaining, you have to catch yourself every time you're about to, which centers you right back. Yeah. I, th I think anything that encourages that kind of behavior is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you worked out. Imagine during a heavy set of deadlifts, you start thinking about other stuff. 
You really think that's going to go well? <laughs> the bar is not even going to move off the ground. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to hit this PR, but oh man, I got to take care of my taxes after this. And then I got to do the groceries. And, I- and then the bar doesn't <laughs> yeah. move. Too much. Now you've pretty much almost like crapped in your pants and you, don't, you know, for trying to pull the bar and it didn't move. And you're like, what just happened? And then it's very defeating after the fact. Like, I know I can, normally I can lift this. What the hell just happened? Right. And now you feel like, oh, well then today's just, okay, today's a sucky day. And now you've kind of just that whole everything goes downhill from there or it takes a while to get back into the game mentally after that. Because right. now you got to erase everything. It's like, OK, you know what? Get it together. Sincere. Stop thinking about that. OK, focus on this. Focus on this. Think about the bar. So now you got to readjust. And that right there can take some of your energy that you would need to lift that bar. Just getting back in the game. Mentally. I, I, don't, I don't even like talking to a lot of people. Like when people ask me questions at the gym, I don't mind answering them, but I'm not going to answer right before I'm about to do something. <laughs> you know? I was like, all right. I was like, hey, give me a minute. I'll, once I do this, th- then I'll answer your question. But right. I don't want to get into this conversation with somebody right before I'm going to do a PR because now oh, I've yeah. just dissipated a bunch of energy. Oh, let me tell you, my team, whenever they, you know, I'm getting ready to go into a lift and they get ready to ask, like, oh, sincere. And I just kind of, I'll just ignore them and they'll get it. They know. They're like, okay, he's lifting right now. Just kind of wave them off. It's like, no, no, no. I don't no, even no. wave. I just, I just go. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, right. <laughs> look at the floor, look at the bar, you know, adjusting my feet. Pretend like I don't hear anybody else. Look, man, I'm a parent. Okay. I've done, I've been here three times. I know how to turn things. I know how to block noise out, you know, having kids, man. So I know when there's unnecessary noise. Hey, you're dying. They're not dying. Okay. I don't have to pay attention right now. They're good. Let me focus on this. This is my time. Okay. You know, or I'll just give them a look. I'm just like, uh, I'm I'm about to lift a heavy ass weight here. Don't talk to me. You know, the look is like, oh, oh go ahead. I'll let you finish. <laughs> you know, it's just that simple, man. Yeah. And if you don't allow yourself to be in the moment and observe things correctly, you don't you miss out on opportunities such as people following their bliss. One of the things <laughs> I like about going to a concert and seeing a band that's happy to be performing is that if you take the time to just look at them up there, you're going, man, these guys are having a blast. They're having a lot of fun. This is what they want to do. This is their bliss right here. That's in, that's inspiring and encouraging. I like seeing people. Yeah, you're not gonna see Slash halfway themselves. through, you know, Welcome to the Jungle. Like, oh, I need to check my phone. I just, <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, exactly. my, oh, I just got a, I just got a Facebook notification. You know, it just stops right in the middle of his guitar solo. <laughs> Apparently, Corey Taylor of Slipknot. He, there's, there's some controversy over him because he slapped the phone out of someone's hand, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> like some audience member. And I don't know what the context was. Love it. Yeah. And then there was there was someone else that was just being a total jack off, like right in the middle of the song. He's like. No, you get the fuck out of here. The funniest thing is when he's getting into an argument with this guy with that mask on. I know. You know because the guy is slim. It's so funny to watch him with that mask on his slim dodge just arguing with some guy in the audience. <laughs> he's like, get the fuck out. You, no, get the fuck out right now. Go, go. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I'm tired of it, man. He goes, I'm tired of seeing, like performing. And I, I just see a bunch of people looking at their phones and answering texts and stuff like that. It's like, just get the fuck out of here. Stay home. It's funny. Like my buddy, my buddy, Bart, man, Stuart, when he ever like teaches his, his fitness classes or whatever, everybody needs to have their phones off. And of course, there's always that one person. Cause as soon as they hear the phone go off and hear you know, <laughs> people automatically stop doing what they're doing to look. And, it, and what sucks about people like I'll speak for now and this during this age where Everyone with iPhone has the same damn ringtone. So when it goes off, eight out of ten people are looking at the damn trying to see if it's their phone that's going off. So, you know, he would say, you know, turn your phones off when you come in here when we start training. So basically, when someone's phone goes off, he's and then they go and grab it. He's like, oh, bring it here to me. And he said, put it right there. Put it on the floor. And like, what? So then he'll go grab like a 32 kilo kettlebell and put it over their phone like, 
if this son of a bitch goes off one more time, I'm dropping this kettlebell on it. So you need to make a decision. Either you turn it off or I, or it becomes food for this 32 kilo. So, you know, and all it took was one person. And after that, everyone turned their phones off. I was like, I love that idea. You know, so you got to tell people like, look, man, we're here training. This is your time. Whoever the hell that is, unless you're on call. And even then it's just kind of like, you got to kind of think about your job here, you know, and how this is working out with your training. Cause it's really hard to be in the moment when you know you're on call. So maybe today is not the day to come in and train. Right. But anyone else is just like, come on, man. Whoever that is, that selfish some bitch can't let you have 45 minutes to yourself. You know, it's like, you know what? F them. You know, this is your time, man. You know, turn that off. They'll be, they'll be okay. Unless someone's dying and bleeding. And trust me, if they're dying and bleeding, and if it's not next door, there's not much you can do for them yeah, right exactly. now. Yeah, exactly. If them texting you is not, what are you going to do? You're going to just warp yourself over there? Well, leave it to the professionals. I'm like, um, you work in IT. If someone's dying and they're bleeding, that's a job for a doctor. What are you going to go do, write some code for them to bring them back to life? Like, just calm <laughs> down. It's okay. So, I don't know people are like, well, it's very selfish. I'm like, come on, man. Again, it, well, but I, nine I think, times uh, that's not going to happen. You know, you're not going to have that situation. It's just like, no, it's just like another Facebook notification. Something's going off or something like that. Or it's just somebody, hey, you still working out? Dude, I just got it 10 minutes ago. Hell yeah, I'm still working out. Don't, don't call me. <laughs> you know, you should go do it. You know, then maybe you wouldn't have time to call and bother me and ask me if I'm working out. <laughs> I, th- I think the backlash to a lot of this is that people have people at their core crave authenticity if they're really honest with themselves. And I think that's why you see a lot of people going to events like Tony Robbins events. And I, I'm not a big fan of his events. I think they're they're way too hokey for my personality type. I don't want to jump in down like a jackass and hug strangers all day long and have these these forced cathartic experiences where everybody's crying and and think they're then they're going to have these transformative transformative like moments. Going to a mega church, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just not for me. But there's this documentary on Netflix that kind of follows it around, and it's a it's a really it's a really well done documentary. But the one thing I noticed that at his events is that when he does talk to someone in the audience, he he forces them to get this to some truths about themselves. Yeah. And he doesn't let people bullshit him or themselves. And I, that I like. That I like. Yeah, about. A lot of times people have these canned responses. He's like, no, 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 no. bullshit no. story that you're telling yourself, right. you know? Right, right, right. So that that I like. And I think a lot of people crave that. They need that. And that's why they flock to these kind of events. But, but the problem my, is four days later, five days later, you have to go back home. Exactly. And that's where I'm going is because, I, because I've been to his events before, too. I went to – My wife went to one. I think it was called Unleash the, the Power Within. The Power yeah. Within, exactly. Yeah. So this is back in 1996. I just graduated from college, and I went with a bunch of other salespeople. Yep. And there, there were some good things about it. There were a lot of hokey things about it, and that's what I remember the most. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like, you're going to put the videotape. The, 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 this is how old it is. You're going to put in the VHS tape of the life that you don't want. Feel it. Really imagine your life not going the way you want it to, the pain of it. And then people around me are going, oh. I'm like, I don't have to imagine. I'm just like, dude, I know. <laughs> so I know no, it so, sucks. So, I'm here. And then, and, then, and then I think what happens is someone has this breakthrough, right? And they may be faking it, but someone let's say, let's say theoretically someone's having this breakthrough moment where they're 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 getting to the core of some of their problems. A lot of other people just start mimicking that because they want to have breakthrough performance. They want to have breakthrough moments as well. So they start and they want to get the attention that that person's getting because right. all of a sudden when someone's crying up there talking about our problems, all of these people are just uh, galvanizing around her, giving her support. And then someone else is going, man, I want that. I want a bunch of people hugging me and picking me up and crowd surfing me around. <laughs> so on the flip side of that, you know, that there are those people like who are like been bottling this stuff up and they're like, oh, 
and you know, a lot of people always like to be victims by themselves and they, they'll hear these people and they're like, Oh my God, I, I'm going through the same thing. It's not just me, you know, and that's where, that's where a lot of these situations bring people together because people, especially even complaining, it comes down to, Oh, it's not just me, you know? Okay. Yeah. But here's the difference. You know, now you realize it's not just you, but what can you do differently? Because they're just sitting around waiting for something to happen. Why should you? So if it's that big of a problem, what are you going to do to change it? Is well, just, the- just think about how much of human conversation is complaining. I would say 99% because the 99% of what I hear people, yeah, 99% of what I hear people talking about is complaining about something. And it's usually about nothing. <laughs> yeah. It, well, that's the other thing. 99% of the time is something trivial. Yeah. It's like, oh man. So. It's just, but you know, it's one of those things again, when it all comes down to it, they can get up there on stage and they could probably have that breakthrough. But now that you know, now that you've acknowledged what the problem is, what are you going to do about it when you get back home? Well, I mean, there are, there are going to be a Tony seminar of, to fix it for you. Not there for, there not are for examples of people that, that went on to do some cool stuff. Like in this documentary, there was a, a young lady from Brazil who had this horrible upbringing and she was in this cult where she was basically systematically raped her entire life as a kid. All the way up to a young lady, right. and so she's she's like you know I can't have, she's like I've never had a regular relationship I don't know how to have a regular relationship I've never experienced someone genuinely loving me you know it was this heartbreaking story, and Tony worked her through it he he gave her some really good advice and he was he was there for her in that moment and then it, it turns out that she was so inspired by you know just the just the breakthrough she had there that she is now working to help other victims of human trafficking, right? So that's great. Yeah. But you have to wonder for every story like that, you know, it's probably it's like 10,000 10, others that yeah, exactly. like, oh, I'm back to life. Back exactly. To it's easy to focus on the few people that have had, that have had some breakthroughs through this whole thing. And that's all great. But for, a, for, and it's, it's not really his fault either though, because no. as someone who's taught seminars myself, it's not my responsibility what people do with the knowledge they learn from my exactly. course. I mean, I'm if I present the information, you know, right, yeah. I teach them all these great techniques, and then let's say they decide they're all excited about it, and they never work out again with kettlebells after. That's not my fault. That's their fault. Right. But but I I just think people's I think the problem is a lot of people go to these kind of events with these totally unrealistic expectations. Like they just really, I need to make all these changes in my life. This is going to be it. I'm gonna go you know, there. This, this five is days. The I'm gonna come that, back brand new. Yeah, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. fire like a missile after this and just start changing well, every aspect. I end up shooting like a 22, you know, <laughs> you know or a BB gun. But you know, you may, what? you may implode over there. But here's the problem: if you know, you might fire like a BB gun, but the problem is sometimes that's not enough. Like, ah, oh, it was, it wasn't this big major thing, but was it something? Something going in a more positive direction than when you got there? Yeah, but you know, here we go, the yeah buts. Because, you know, they want this big giant thing so they can talk about this big giant thing instead of just one little change. You know, and, and feel like, well, I can't tell anybody about that. Who cares? Was it a change for the better? Then, dude, run with that. And then work on some more little changes and more little changes. And then, who knows, five years from now, you could talk about, you know, how you've worked your way back, to, you know, worked your way to this. And it all started from that one little weekend that you went to that seminar or whatever else. And you started making tiny changes, tiny changes. And now, here you are. And now you're you're helping others. Well, you're paying it forward, which is another aspect that's missing a lot of times when they, these major things happen paying it forward doesn't mean let me just brag about my experience and talk about me and what all worked for me and right. just go from there it's like no now look dude you've been given a gift so now share it don't keep it to yourself so who can you help now because someone went out and helped you you know so it doesn't well, stop I mean, just like just this brazilian lady as i'm listening to her story i go 
I go, the thing that she needs to do is help other people that have been through what she's been through. And right. that's the first thing that came through my head. And of course, she needs to have some other forms of therapy and some other things, of course. You, know, you need to work on yourself to some extent. I go, but the way she's going to fix herself is if she goes and does that. So I was really happy to see happy to see at the end of the documentary that she is, in fact, doing that because right. that's that's the obvious thing. You know, Melia Kaplan, who's been on our show before, mm-hmm. who's dedicated to helping helping animals, especially Homeless animals, dogs, cats, etc., get into new homes. But she, she, her message is very wide and pervasive. But she went through a lot of torture herself. She went through a lot of abuse as a as a young girl, yeah. and she said that the only way to get over that is you got to take that negative energy and channel it into positive measures. And that's what she's done. That's why that's one of the reasons why she's so dedicated, because she understands the suffering that she sees every day to a large extent. Yeah. And that motivates her to want to alleviate suffering of, of all beings. In this case, he really focuses on animals. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just one of those situations where you're thinking, you know what? Never again. Not just for me, but for anyone who I can reach out to, to make sure that they never go through this. Never again. You know? So, again, pay it forward, folks. Pay it forward. No matter what. Now, even if it's something positive, like, you know, you're... You're an entrepreneur and you're starting from the bottom. You had a mentor that helped you out, kind of showed you the ropes and whatever. And, you know, they kind of took you under their wing. They didn't necessarily pay you or anything like that. But, you know, the, the advice and the experience they gave you, you can't put a price on anyway. And you take that and you actually go do something with it. And, you're, A, you're paying them back for taking time out to take you under their wing. And now do the same thing. Find someone else who was in, who's in the spot where you used to be and keep that going and keep that going. Instead of just like, oh, now I'm successful. I made it to the top. Hell yeah. Like, yeah, but you didn't, you didn't do that all alone, buddy. You're not a self-made man. Get over that. So you have yeah, to. And, yeah. In Buddhism, there's, there's two different schools of thought, right? Two major ones. There's, there's more than two, of course, philosophies within that is there's quite a few. But anyway, there's two major ones. One is the big focus is you find nirvana, right? You find this state of nirvana for yourself. And the other one is you find nirvana and that's just the beginning of your journey. Now you have to help other people find it. Exactly. So that that's the one that's going to be more rewarding than let me do something great for myself and then just tell everyone how great I am. It's like, okay, that's great. We're, we're glad everything is so great for you. <laughs> now shut the fuck up and go be great. <laughs> go enjoy your greatness <laughs> while the rest of us focus on that. <laughs> so on that note, now that you found Nirvana in this show, now it's a good thing to go out and share that Nirvana with other people. So head over to both of our websites. Go to MikeMuller.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use a coupon code LLA. Get 10% off all of our products over there. And you can find Nirvana in Mike Supplements because, A, it'll make your life suck a lot less as far as your health, your lifting, your training, all of that. Make it suck a lot less. And... You know, you go over to my site, you can find everything from the wellness code all the way to my weight management course, all the way to finding a good way to make better coffee, which will make you sit there and not be such a pissy person first thing in the morning and bitching about how bad your coffee tastes from that other little place that everyone goes to with the little mermaid on the front of the logo. So little things like that. So find your Nirvana from all our products. Use that coupon code LLA, 10% off everything or you can head over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast, become a monthly supporter of the show. And that right there will help create Nirvana for other people who so they can have a chance to listen to the show as well and keep us producing this bad boy. So it's not just you who gets to enjoy all the Nirvana that is involved in this show like you got today with our guests and our guests before that. 
And last but not least, share the Nirvana by going over to over to Patreon, not Patreon, going over to iTunes and going over to Stitcher. And that's another way you can share the Nirvana with other folks as well on all platforms of social media that you can get your hands on. So how about that? I think Buddha would be proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) The Buddha would be happy. (laughs) All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up for this week. We'll catch you all on the next show. Take care, everybody. All right. Bye, everyone. (laughs) 